on air for Banbury Racing Radio. This is Monday night, August the 8th, and uh, tonight we are reviewing Michigan International Speedway and the races that took place there this weekend with our Hot Topic Sound Off starting at 10 p.m. tonight. We're going to start with our first half hour with Short Track News. We'll follow that up with some Arkham Menard Series uh review at Michigan International Speedway, and we'll include some ARCA East and West Series updates. Then we'll have some post-race audio from the NASCAR Xfinity Series winner, Ty Gibbs. He's the driver of the number 54, Joe Gibbs Racing Toyota, and afterward we'll offer some updates from the NASCAR Truck Series. They did not race this weekend. Uh, in the last half hour of our pre- review show, We'll also uh, cover the NASCAR Xfinity and the Cup Series race at Michigan International Speedway. 10 o'clock, of course, is our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off with our Band for Racing crew. And we have Mike Orzel and Andy Lasky joining us uh, for that conversation. Our co-host, and will also be part of our Hot Topics uh, conversation for tonight, though, is Jay Huseman. Welcome to the show, Jay, and thanks for standing in. Oh, not a problem. I always get excited. Uh, I know we do the preview show. I get excited about looking forward, talking about what happened during the race. That's exciting as well, and there are some big things going on this weekend. Oh, yes. (laughs) And uh, I'm looking forward to uh, doing the show with you. So, again, thank you for being available. Um, So we're going to start out with some short track news. I start out with Racing America and uh, taking a look at what's going on over there. Uh, And uh, they have some great articles there. There's How to Watch North Wilkesboro's Racetrack Revival on Racing America. Uh, Folks that could not get out to the track could watch it over at Racing America, which was pretty cool. Yeah, I know we talked about this on our preview and and seeing some of the names that are racing at and helping this revival kick off and and get underway. Uh, I go back to starting with Ryan Newman. Uh, You couldn't ask for anything more. When you talk about a racetrack revival, you got a a driver like Ryan Newman uh, trying to revive his career, if you will, picking up victories in the uh, SRX as well as the the North North Wilkesboro revival. So, Great to see that package deal. A lot of racing going on there for the next uh, week, I think, plus, and then coming back on dirt here in October. Exactly right. And and they tell you exactly how you can uh, take part in watching those events. It is a pay-per-view opportunity. So uh, definitely uh, folks want to take advantage of that uh, and uh, watch those races. Uh, there's, it's been very emotional uh, having fans and cars uh, back at North Wilkesboro's racetrack this week and last week and, and this coming week. It's it's just been really, really exciting to see that happening. Fans have asked for, for races to come back to North Wilkesboro racetracks for a long, long time, and to see it finally happening has is, is been very emotional for a lot of people. It has been, and emotional is a good word. Uh, you know, that is one that was very dear to the heart of most any long-term NASCAR fan. 
I know some newer fans might not understand that, but it really is a piece of the NASCAR heritage. There's this sea racing back there. I know it's been uh, attempted a couple of times and to a certain level, but I think this one's going to push it back up to may not get a cup race again. I understand that. There's always hope, but uh, we got to be realistic. There's a lot of tracks we'd like to see get a cup race, but at least to see them back racing and get some type of recognition, whether it be, I know they got the ARCA CRA late model is going to be there, that type of attention, which now gets coverage on sites like Racing America and Flow Racing. Exactly right. Uh, now, Ryan Newman claimed uh, a tour-type modified win at North, North Wilkesboro this past weekend. Uh, also, Matt Hirschman cashes in on the big money at the Wilkesboro Racetrack Revival, some of the previous races there. Uh, Jake Garcia took a second pro-late model win at Montgomery, and Majeski, Ty Majeski holds off Johnson uh, for trying to see who Johnson is for the third Dixieland 250 uh, win. So that's that was uh, out at Montgomery Motor Speedway uh, out there in Alabama this past weekend. And then, um, you know, we'll talk about the, the races that were won in NASCAR a little bit later. But uh, those were some storylines from this past weekend. And there, there's a couple of names there. Uh, we'll start with Matt Hirschman. He is one, I don't know if he's made any starts at the top three national level, but if you are a race fan and follow any kind of series, uh, especially I know from the Northeast with the Modified, uh, I think we looked at he was set to break a record or had broke it. Um, One that kind of like I think back to Richie Evans, uh, you know, is in the NASCAR Hall of Fame, and people ask why when he had never run at the top levels. You know, NASCAR is bigger than that. Uh, the sanctioned, NASCAR-sanctioned tracks, it was the NASCAR, at that time, wheel and modifieds, I believe. You know, that part it plays a big part into it. And I think Matt Hirschman is one that needs to get more recognition for what he's doing. Absolutely. I'm so glad to see him uh, getting the cash payouts here uh, for what he's doing at the racetrack. Uh, that is Casey Johnson. Uh, that was he is currently the ARCA AMT the ARCA uh, MT point leader and uh, Ty Majeski was able to beat him uh, in that race and that was uh, again uh, out at Wisconsin's International Raceway near uh, Kakana, Wisconsin. Uh, so uh, it's uh, pretty pretty fun to see that happening as well. Tymajewski has uh, really been at the forefront lately as well. Yeah, and there's a couple names there. Uh, Again, Tymajewski, one we have seen move up, uh, getting a second chance in the Truck Series, making the most of it into the playoffs this year for the Camping World Truck Series, going back to home tracks uh, there in Wisconsin. So Casey Johnson is one. I know personally I've heard once or twice. And the other one you mentioned there, uh, picking up the victory with the pro late model at Montgomery is Jake Garcia. And I think he mm-hmm. just had his first Xfinity Series start here um, a couple weeks ago. So that's another one you're going to start seeing more of. You know, they, these people don't come out of nowhere. Everybody's always like, they come out of nowhere. You know, if you follow racing, you <laughs> see them coming. And that's why I know this year we've put a focus, a, a big focus, along with NASCAR, on the grassroots program so that you are know who these drivers are when they get to these top levels or make their first start, start racing in the top three series and can be invested in them. 
And the other part, I'll go ahead and plug it and throw it out there. You can also be invested in them by going to your local tracks. Exactly right. Uh, Kyle Larson is going to be uh, High Limit Open heads to Lincoln Park. Uh, the High Limit Open kicks off with its first race on August the 16th in Lincoln Park Speedway in Putumaville, Indiana. So that's going to be uh, uh, kind of fun to see. And, and that's the thing, too. Not only are we seeing the future NASCAR stars uh, rising up through the ranks, we also see the NASCAR stars uh, going back to their roots and racing at a lot of these short tracks as well. So there's one to look forward to. And that's one, and this goes back a year plus. Uh, Kyle Larson is one that, when it comes to, I don't want to say driver talent, but has proved uh, as a NASCAR champion he has the talent, but is one I think of, of some of these drivers, Ken Schrader comes to mind, Kenny Wallace. I mean, if, if they had the opportunity and could, they were racing every night of the week, whether it be bicycles, skateboards, go-karts, uh, dirt track, asphalt. They were just out there racing. And we've seen that with Kyle Larson. I know when he left Chip Ganassi racing under that deal, um, some top NASCAR levels, and Hendrick Motorsports was one of them. I didn't think was a good fit because I didn't know if he'd still be able to do that. They obviously came to an agreement. We've heard Jeff Gordon say he'd like to see some of his other drivers do it, and we have seen it from Chase Elliott and William Byron. So I think they see the value in it. Yes, there is a risk as far as your your top NASCAR team and and the possibility of uh, issues there, but I think they see the value in it as as we've talked about. It certainly appears that it, as the drivers say, it improves their driving. I mean, they're always sim sim racing can do so much, but on track experience you can't you can't match it. What I also love about this particular event, Jay, is that Kyle Larson is investing back into local short track racing. It's called the Kyle Larson High Limit Open uh, that's heading to Lincoln Park on August the 16th, so out there in Indiana. So Kyle Larson not only races those events, he is investing back into short track racing and uh, supporting uh, the local grassroots of racing, uh, and I think that's fantastic as well. And he's not the only one. There's other drivers out there that have done this as well. No, there certainly are. I know Christopher Bell is one that, that still races a lot. Um, I don't have the article that I read uh, right pulled up right in front of me here, but I believe Kyle Larson and Brad Sweet, and I don't remember if it's a series that they're starting or a track, but they're doing something together in partnership out there in California. Uh, like I said, I don't know if it's a, a weekly series that they're promoting or a track as, as an entirety, but you see that, that they are. And a lot of these drivers, Tony Stewart, Kyle Larson, Casey Kane, have late model. Clint Boyer had a late model team, sprint car teams. So you're right, and they're providing that opportunity for that next driver. They, they really are. And and uh, one of the – you mentioned uh, Christopher Bell. Uh, he's actually got a uh, race that he's sponsoring that's going to be taking place out at Texas Motor Speedway. And I'm trying to find my news on that uh, because he has gotten behind that one as well. And I think there's somebody else that's a part of that. I'll continue to look for that in my email box because uh, – 
Christopher Bell is another driver who's done so much uh, for short track racing and giving back uh, to a lot of these short tracks around the country. So Texas Motor Speedway uh, has some racing that's going to be taking place. And I think it's a dirt race, if I remember correctly, as well. So uh, pretty cool to see that happening. Here it is. Uh, Christopher Bell on hand for the first test of the dirt surface for Seabell's Micromania at Little Texas Motor Speedway. So uh, that's another uh, NASCAR uh, driver who has really gotten behind uh, local dirt racing out there in Texas. And, and I think a lot of them look back on it, and being that you said it was the, the micros, that driver like Christopher Bell knows where they came from and got the opportunity maybe not always the most highlighted or seen. I know in this digital age that's kind of changing, but making sure then that other drivers that are in that same boat um, get that kind of exposure and recognition so that they may get the opportunity that he he got um, by being Mm -hmm. recognized by Toyota and Joe Gibbs Racing. Now keep in mind that this they're testing right now, but this event is going to take place over the September 21 to 24 uh, time frame. And uh, so that's upcoming uh, for uh, these races. So uh, they've got uh, other drivers like Kyle Bush and his son, seven-year-old Brexton Bush, that are confirmed to be uh, a part of that. And uh, it's just exciting to see that happening because not only is it a feeder uh, up to NASCAR's top tier series, but it's also these guys going back to their roots and and really investing in uh, keeping this going. So I think it's fantastic. Well, and real quick, I know we got we're ready to go over to the Arkham Menard series, but you hit on a key thing there with Braxton Bush, um, the NASCAR drivers that have children at that age. I know Matt Crafton was another one we heard about with his daughter doing some some racing stuff with that. So that gives them that opportunity. And we see this with their charities as well. Drivers helping out other drivers. Yeah, it's the uh, Christopher Bell or CB uh, sponsored, but other drivers participating in it and supporting each other when it comes to that. I love to see that. Yes, I do too. I think it's fantastic. Well, uh, moving on to the Arkham Menard series, uh, Nick Sanchez put on some defensive driving skills uh, to win the Henry Ford Health 200 at Michigan International Speedway on Saturday. Uh, and he wasn't necessarily the fastest car, but uh, he was able to defend. Uh, he, he, he put together a defense. Uh, against some very strong competitors in Corey Heim and Daniel Dye in order to get that third Arkham Menard Series victory of the season for Rev Racing. So uh, that was pretty exciting to see this weekend as well. It was, and I know some fans get frustrated with the, well, whoever had the fastest car didn't win, and that's not always the case. There is strategies in, strategy in races. I will tell you this, uh, most of the time, in order to even be in that position to make a strategy like that, you have to have a fast car. Nick Sanchez, it's his third victory on the year, clearly one of the faster cars, now leading the points. We'll get to that a little bit later. Um, <laughs> made it work, you know. And the fact that he is in that point, top points position, knows how tough his competition is. Sometimes you've got to do different things 
um, if you can't outright run them. I mean, that's the box you get put in, and they capitalized on it and made the most of it. Exactly. That's what racing is about. It's not just uh, having the fastest car on the track. It's about being able to strategize how you can outbeat your competition, and that's exactly what Nick Sanchez and his group did uh, this weekend. Uh, to kind of finish out the uh, top ten here, it was Nick Sanchez uh, from Rev Racing finishing in first place. Then it was Corey Heim. Uh, in the number 20, Daniel Dye in the 43, and third, Sammy Smith finished fourth, and Gus Dean rounds out the top 10. I'm sure you're happy to hear that, Jay. <laughs> I was happy to see him in there uh, mixing it up, and we knew with that start in the venturing in motorsports, it was going to give him that opportunity. So, yes, I do like to see that. And just behind him in six, real quick, is Rajah Karuth. And I say that because Daniel Dye, Rajah Karuth, and Nick Sanchez are your top three that are in this points battle we'll talk about. Sanchez retaking it, but it's still first to third, a nine-point gap, even with Sanchez picking up the win and Raja back in six. Yep, and the next uh, to round out the top ten uh, with Raja in six is Brett Holmes, Cody Coughlin, Greg Van Alst, and Morgan Bayard. Uh, there are one, two, three rookies in that top ten, so uh, really, really good to see that as well. Uh, I, I really uh, thought it was a good race, and uh, let's go ahead and go over to the point standings because you've mentioned it a couple times now. All right. Uh, for the Arkham Menard Series, as I mentioned, Nick Sanchez picking up his third victory, his fourth top five and ninth top ten in the 12 starts, now has the points lead and sits at 561, but he didn't uh, blow him away. Raja Karuth with the sixth-place finish, which is his fifth top five and tenth top ten in 12 races, is now seven points back. Daniel Dye has seven top fives and ten top tens, is nine points back. And I really, I'm really, i trying to think throughout the year, uh, going back, if we've seen a bigger gap than nine points between these three. They've been shuffling back and forth. And it seems like that, yeah, nobody gets more than 10 points. And that's back to third place. It is. Now, uh, but we, we do have some females that are in this top 10 as well. That's right. Well, starting right there in fourth, as we go all the way through the top 10 real quick, uh, mentioned Greg Van Alst, another good run, got a top five and seven top tens, has moved into the fourth spot. Now, he is 84 points back behind the championship uh, lead, but still plugging away, and he's got a points battle. Tony Bridinger in the fifth spot. You mentioned a female. Um, in fifth now at minus 85, one point behind Greg Van Alst. And then Amber Balkane is in sixth spot with three top tens on the year at 100 back 120. Brad Smith, the seventh driver that has run all 12, all 12 um, Arkham and Ard Series races so far this year in the seventh spot. And then you got some drivers um, making sporadic starts or limited starts. Sammy Smith, eight races, two wins, puts him in the A spot. Taylor Gray, seven races with three wins, six of the seven races being top fives, puts him in the ninth spot. And D.L. Wilson with 11 starts, rounding out your top 10. Okay, so pretty exciting to see that happening. And uh, 
I do think that this Arkham and Art series has a lot uh, of really good things going on in it this year, uh, especially with the battle from Rev Racing uh, with their two drivers between Nick Sanchez and, and Raja Karuth. But uh, not letting them get uh, too far out of sight is Daniel Dye in that uh in his car, he's uh, keeping his eye on them and uh, really hoping to contend as this season can winds down. And the one thing I look at is what Rev Racing has done. We've seen this in the past. Uh, most recently, it's been with Venturini Motorsports. I know this year they got the full-time drivers um, getting experience, but then bringing in some other drivers for their other cars. So we don't really see that as far as their team because it's um, – wins and finishes are split between different drivers. But if Venturini were to have the multiple full-time drivers, we'd see them up there with Rev Racing. But what I look at is to see Rev Racing and then GMS Racing with Daniel Dye can be up there at the top of the field. Uh, you know, There's always that changing of the guard. I don't know that it's changing over as we see Venturini still putting top-notch uh, cars out there. But to see these other teams, I mean, you got to say it, Venturini is the bar that everybody's looking at when it comes to the Arkham Menard series. There's no arguing that, uh, in my opinion. So to see these teams meeting that challenge and in there contending with them. Yes, indeed. Now, the Arkham Menard series, across all of their series, are going to be taking a break this particular weekend. But the following weekend, they're all going to be back on the track. Uh, and we'll start um, with the Arkham Menard series, uh, who is also, uh, their next event will also be a Sioux Chief Showdown event out at Watkins Glen International. The General Tire delivers 100 We'll be racing at 6 p.m. Eastern Time on August the 19th, uh, and it will be televised on FS1. You'll definitely want to watch that. You've got two different series uh, racing for points in this particular event, and uh, that's going to make it pretty exciting uh, to keep an eye on uh, the drivers that are contending uh, in both of those series. It does. We've seen that all year. And I think there's another aspect to that. We've seen drivers, even as far up as the cup level, that want experience. We may see some top names in this Arkham Menard series right. um, when it comes to Watkins Glen. And then you add in the fact that it is a Sioux Chief showdown, which brings in some other competitors as they can only compete on certain tracks and battle for that separate points championship. Uh, I think this one at Watkins Glen could be a real doozy. It really could be, uh, and as long as we're talking about the Sioux Chief Showdown, let's go ahead and cover the points there uh, and how that is kind of playing out because it's a tight battle as well. Let it load here, and you're right. It, it has been, and it's going to be a little bit different than what we saw with the regular um, championship that I just talked about. Here in the Sioux Chief Showdown, it's Sammy Smith, uh, what do we got? One, two, three, six of the races in so far. Leads at 252 points. And then Taylor Gray, I mentioned he had multiple wins, three on the year, I believe, in the number 17, sitting in second in points at 233. Jesse Love, he's one I mentioned. He's only doing the select starts, most of them correlating with this 
uh, Sioux Chief Showdown. He's in third at 229, so he's only four points behind Gray. Then you get Daniel Dye and Rajah Karuth, two that are battling in the main Arkham Menard series, and Nick Sanchez right behind him. So you see they're in a different order there. Daniel Dye has done better in the Sioux Chief Showdown races over Rajah Karuth and Nick Sanchez. Uh, they're sitting at 221, 219, and 215. So they're, between them, they got a six-point battle versus nine in the uh, Arkham Menard series. That's, man, they, they just can't get away from each other. Yep, yep, it's pretty uh, tight. At 187, I'm sure I'm on the right line. There we go. Tony, Tony Breidinger, Greg Van Alst at 182. So those two there give the advantage to Tony in the, in the um, Sioux Chief showdown, five points ahead of Greg, Greg Van Alst. And then Amber Belkane, Brad Smith uh, rounding out the top ten. So, like I said, it's a little bit different battle there for the Sioux Chief showdown. Yes, it is. But still not out of reach for some of these guys. Uh, Amber Balkan. Uh, is uh, certainly a competitor, and and like you said, this is a little jumbled up from what we see in the main Arkham Menard series. Uh, so you see how this Sioux Chief Showdown event, that's 10 races inside of the 20 races that uh, the Arkham Menard series races throughout their 20-race season, and uh, they have four races left at Watkins Glen. That's the next one that we just talked, then Milwaukee, DeCoin, and Bristol. Uh, will be their season finale for the Sioux Chief Showdown. So uh, keep your eye on this one because uh, it's going to be a fun one to watch as it as it winds down. As, as okay. you started reading that, I know I said I said this Watkins Glen race could be a doozy. I really look forward to the Milwaukee Mile as well, but then throw in the coin, which is a dirt track race, along with Bristol. So I, I don't know. I could pick a favorite out of those four remaining. <laughs> Well, the next race that will be taking place is the same weekend, and that's the Arkham Art Series West. We'll cover their points next. Uh, but they'll be racing the Napa Auto Parts Arca West 150 on August the 20th, so the very next day. That will take place at 6.30 p.m. Pacific Time. That's 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time, and it will be out at Evergreen Speedway. And that race can be watched on Flow Racing, uh, but there's always radio coverage that's also available at ArcaRacing.com as well. So another big race coming up here for the Arca West very soon. Well, and ironically, this is normally where we talk about that tight championship battle over the last several years. Uh, the West Series seemed to be like the one that had a very close competition and, and five, six drivers having a shot at the championship. I don't know if Jake Drew listened to us, uh, but he has been on fire lately, and this one's getting a little out of hand as far as the points lead, but he's earned it. Uh, Jake Drew, yeah, your we've got to cover both leader. the West and the East here in three minutes, so... <laughs> All right, uh, six races, three of them wins, all six top fives, has gapped uh, Cole Moore by 45 points. Right behind Cole Moore, though, you got Tanner Reef at minus 49. Todd Souza is back 50. Paul Pedronicilli at minus 63. Then you got Joey East, Takuma Koga, Bridget Burgess, Austin Herzog, and Paul Pedronicilli rounding out your top 10. I'll swap over here and pull up the East Series real quick. I know they got well, a little bit more race, of a gap. Uh, let me give the race event first. Uh, the yep, next race for the ARCA East 
is going to be on August the 28th, so that'll be the following week. The Sprecher 150 will take place at the Milwaukee Mile and will be televised on MAV TV, but uh, MAV TV will also have that at uh, Flow Racing as well and the radio coverage at ARCA Racing as well. So now you can get into the ARCA East standings. All right. We've seen this driver uh, starting to move up and make, a, make his name a little more well-known, and that's Sammy Smith. Five starts, three wins, five top fives, has a solid a gap back to Taylor Gray at minus 27. Taylor's got one win, four top fives in his five starts. And Leland Honeymoon, though, right there with uh, Gray with five starts, three top fives, five top tens at minus 31. That one's still down to about three drivers, but it is a sustainable gap to points leader Sammy Smith. Uh, Stephanie Moyer, Brad Smith round out the top five. And then with limited starts, Christian Rose, we saw Jake Finch, Donald Feig, Connor Jones, and Jonathan Schaefer rounding out your top ten. Okay, we got it done. So uh, a lot to look forward to here in the Arkham Menard series. Uh, again, uh, it's going to be a, a week or two before we see some of these guys out on the track again. Uh, but uh, definitely looking forward to see how their season continues to roll out as they uh, continue to march toward uh, their season finale as well in October. Okay, it is the top of the hour, and uh, tonight for our post-race audio, I thought I'd uh, play the audio from the interview, the media interview with Ty Gibbs. He was the winner of the uh Xfinity Series race out at Michigan International Speedway, and you you may recall that Ty Gibbs also did a really phenomenal job in the Cup Series race out at uh, Michigan as well, but he won that Xfinity Series race, and so we have some post-race audio of their uh, media interview with him after that win, and uh, we'll play, it's actually 13, uh, almost 14 minutes long, but we're going to play about seven or eight minutes of it. And then Jay and I will have our comments uh, afterward. So let's hear what Ty Gibbs had to say here. All right, maybe we do have some apologies. Yeah. Famous last words. Yeah. <laughs> we are nonetheless joined by our race winner of the 30th annual New Holland 250, uh, Ty Gibbs, driver of the number 54 Monster Energy Toyota for Joe Gibbs Racing. Ty, another great win. Um, you know, a team, team win on this one. Obviously, pitch strategy important. Um, you hold them off. Just talk to us a little bit about the run from your perspective, the decision um, on the pit stop, and, and you know, how you guys got it done. Yeah, you know, uh, I feel like I'm very thankful and lucky to be, not lucky, I'm very thankful and blessed to be <clears throat> um, be able to work with the pit crew so much. I work out at the race shop at Jiggers Racing, and all of our pit crews kind of go through there every single day. My cousin actually is on the 20, he's a changer, and so I got to kind of be around them so much, and I've been very thankful and blessed to be around them because they work so hard. I feel like that, you know, kind of makes me relentless towards towards racing and everything, so... Um, I'm very thankful to be around them. They work so hard. I'm very, I have a very blessed team and a blessed, blessed organization around me. Uh, you know, I've got great trainers at the shop keeping me in shape. Sometimes it's why I look good when I get out of a hot race car. So that's the other thing. Thank you. All right, on that, we will go ahead and open it up uh, to the room for questions. So if you have one, raise your hand. We'll we'll be sure to get a mic and 
over to you. So we'll, uh, yeah, I'll start right here with a couple down the middle. Uh, Taylor DeSarmo with MLive. Uh, how would you rate those uh, donuts out of 10? And uh, did you did you blow a tire or two doing those? Um, I think I blew a left rear, but I feel like that was cool. I had to steer him out the window. I was trying to be like Kyle Larson. So, you know, I kind of look up to him, and he's one here a bunch in Fontana, so he's really good at these tracks. So I just thought it was cool. I don't know. That's just a little tie in there. Just trying to get it all. So I, was there, I thought that was super cool. Can you reflect on the success you've had this season and really over two years in the series? Yeah, you know, I've been I've had an awesome time in the series. You know, there's been some up and downs, but I've had a very very fun time, and you know, the, the Cup stuff's been fun too. So just kind of do as much as I can, work as hard as I can to be the best I can right now. Um, and you know, I'm all towards racing. I don't really have any other hobbies, so uh, just go out there and try to do the best I can and work as hard as I can. Uh, Bob Parker's Fox Sports. Oh, how got much, the phone out. Yeah. How much does the extra laps that you're getting on Sundays and also on Saturdays helping you? Yeah, you know, I'm I'm very uh, you know thankful that MJ and um, Danny gave me the call, but and and Kurt, you know, we're we're praying for him. You know, hopefully he gets better. That's the most important thing out of all that. But it's like the Cup car is so different. I feel like I didn't really get too much. I feel like that Xfinity car actually helped me in the Cup car more than the Cup car helped me in the Xfinity car. So. I mean, it's just lap time, but I feel like once you do so many laps and laps and on simulators and in real life, that only, only helps so much, um, but it does help, and I feel like you've got to use all the advantages you can. Um, so I, I definitely think it helps, but it's not, you know, tremendously. And do you feel like uh, if, if Kirk comes back for next week, are, are you totally off next week, and what would that be like, do you think? After? I don't know. I mean, for me, I feel like in the position I'm in, I was definitely going to go to the track just to be there and be with the team. They've, you know, put so much behind me and helped me out so much. So I'm going to go back and with them, even though if I'm not driving for them, um, you know, for the rest of the year, I'm, I'm going to go back and, and support them, be with them, just to learn and to be with Billy and uh, John. Um, you know, those guys work very hard. And I'm very de- blessed to be able to, to be able to drive a cuff car. I think that's super cool. So um, it's been a, you know. Crazy last two weeks. I can't believe I'm making my third cup start. I think that's just wild. So I'm very, very thankful. I guess if he's back, you'd still probably, they'd probably still want you there. Just I mean, I have no clue. I don't know what the. I don't really focus on the protocol. I just do my job. Whatever. If I'm driving, if I'm not driving, I'm gonna do the best I can week in and week out. And I feel like that's my goal in life. Stay right here in the middle of the room. So, how much confidence does this give you going into another cup start? Um, I mean, I feel like our Toyota, Super, Toyota cameras are really fast here, um, so you know that's definitely nice. But I don't believe in confidence and emotions. I just go out there and do my job. And I feel like if you let you know confidence and emotions and all of that affect you, then I feel like you get beat. Um, you know, it shows it you know all around in the best athletes. So I just do the best I can week in week out and try to accomplish the accomplish the mission. And if I can't do that, then I'm gonna do the best I can, come out the best finish I can. Go over to the right side, and then we'll go to Jordan in the back. Tom with Sirius to Fast Media. Uh, I've heard that uh, John Hunter was supposed to be the backup for 2311. How did that come about where you took over for him in that position? Yeah, you know, I'm just doing my job like I told him. I'm just here to, you know, do my job. Uh, John Hunter is a great race car driver and a great teammate, so I'm just here doing my job. And if I get called up, I get called up. If I'm not, I'm not. I'm do the work as best I can. I don't worry about, you know, hypotheticals or complete random scenarios. I just do the best I can week in and week out. 
Jordan Bianchi Athletic. What have you learned about yourself as a driver and your ability uh, in the last couple weeks racing in the Cup Series and things that maybe you can work on and improve on in areas that maybe aren't as strong as maybe you thought they were? Yeah, you know, I think just uh, in general racing, the craft is just different than what the Xfinity Series is, and I feel like it's hard. But I feel like if your car is really good and you're very well put together that you can go do really good. So it just depends on how you do, and, um, you know, it depends on how hard you work and, and how good your car is. So I think the aerodynamics, the dirty air is horrible. I just feel so, super tight behind people. So just making sure your car is good enough to get out front and go past people. Uh, Kevin Schwarzman with Supercars Today TV. Um, so you won Richmond, and then you know we had Martinsville, and then you went the biggest gap you had gone uh, between race wins, which was uh, I believe eight or nine. And you, you know you're back to winning again, and I mean, I'm sure a lot of drivers you know take one out of eight. But <laughs> what happened uh, in that time frame? Uh, what kind of learning experience did you have? I mean, I feel like I learned a lot, but the experience is just the same thing every week. Just work as hard as I can. I don't believe in hypotheticals or scenarios. I just go do my job. And, I mean, I believe in scenarios like playing out the strategy, but besides that, I don't worry about all the other stuff. There's other people to worry about that. And I just do my job, and if I let that stuff affect me, then I'm wasting my time on it. And then last year in the Xfinity race here, you finished 13th. And now this year you won the race. Uh, what's the difference? Uh, I didn't wreck off a of two on the restart. <laughs> You know, I, I don't know if I had a shot. I'll probably finish third, nine team in the 16-1. All right, so we'll go to Daniel here in the front of the room. We'll go to the back and work our way around up to Dustin in the front. Daniel McFadden, Frenchers.com. Uh, Ty, what has been your your what have been your weeks been like leading into the last two great races? Like, how are you balancing your time getting ready for both series? Uh, just more time in the simulator, more more work. But besides that, it's the same thing week in and week out. Like I told it, like I've told him and him and him. It's just I do the same thing and work as hard as I can. It's okay. I just, I just, I I just try to do the same thing. I don't really believe in hypotheticals and all that. I just go do some work hard, work as hard as I can, and um, you know, I let other people worry about the stuff that you can't change. Okay, seems like a lot of the same answer for just about all the questions. Uh, but what are your your thoughts, Jay? Well, you're right. It seemed like that was that was pretty stressed. And I don't. Uh, every person has to at least have those thoughts. I'm sure he obviously is trying to make a point of not focusing on it, and, and thus was trying to get the media and be like, "Hey, I'm not going to talk about this because I'm trying to not focus on it." Um, but it's got to be there. But like he said, because it can become a distraction. Then if you're focused on that and not your own driving. Um, the one thing I know uh, they talked about with the burnout, he talked about that. The broadcasters on on the network talked about it seemed like that was a little bit more celebratory and, than we've seen from Ty Gibbs in the past. And I, I'm not real sure, and that question didn't exactly get asked, but why it did seem to be that way. He has always been a very humble driver, um, which I think he still is, and you know, as as the broadcasters were saying, you know, you win a, win a race, so you're, it's okay to celebrate. So they weren't criticizing that. They just said they saw it as a little bit of a change. And so many things correlate over to, he talked about, with getting these Cup Series starts, uh, the deal with John Hunter Nemechek, which I wasn't aware of. I had heard this week on, this past week on SiriusXM, that was the original plan from the beginning of the year that John Hunter Nemechek was their, um, I don't remember how it got labeled, 
substitute driver, um, on-call guy, whatever you want to call it. So interesting how that played out. I know we've talked about this in the past of whether or not Ty Gibbs should spend another year in the Xfinity series or if he's ready to move to Cup. The discussion, I was on the side of needing another year in Xfinity. I've changed that a little bit. But fans also need to realize, as he mentioned, he is looking at it as this race, one race, because he doesn't know week to week whether it's going to be another one. Take what experience I can get, not go out and prove um, what I can do to try and get a ride. So that comes into play as far as how he drives. And I think his results have been, I mean, truthfully, very good. Uh, I believe a 17th, 16th, and a top 10 this past weekend. However, just as we heard him talk about in the Xfinity series, he went through a gap of we're used to seeing him win, went through a stretch of not winning, still running good, whether he finished in the top five, top ten, or or ended up further back. But there's a difference between getting three so far limited starts and what you do with those versus if you know you got to grind it out for 26 to 36 races for an entire uh, championship season. So I think that does come into play. Um, but he has maximized it. I mean, you can't argue that, and we know he's got the talent. Yeah, um, he does have the talent without a doubt. To get a top ten in this next-gen car uh, is pretty phenomenal, uh, and being able to go back and forth between the cars. I thought it was interesting that he said he, he actually took more from driving in the Cup Series back to the Xfinity Series uh, versus the other way around. Uh, because the next-gen car is so different uh, from the Xfinity series. But the one thing that I think we've said from the beginning when the next-gen car came out is that it's the young guys like a Ty Gibbs that will adapt to that new car a lot faster than some of the veterans. And I think that's proved itself out in in some cases. And uh, I think Ty Gibbs is making the most of his opportunity. We don't know when... Kurt Busch is going to be back. We'll probably hear later this week whether or not he'll be cleared uh, to be able to race this weekend. But uh, uh, whatever opportunity Ty Gibbs has, uh, it's a it's a it's a golden opportunity, if you will, for him to sit in the seat of a Cup Series car that is capable of uh, being up in that top ten, and he's able to do that. Uh, I think it speaks a lot for his talent. I think he's approached uh, this opportunity with a lot of uh, maturity uh, that I hadn't seen in him previously. Uh, And I will say uh, there's been a couple of times that you felt like he's a 19-year-old who who has to go through a learning curve here from a maturity standpoint. But it seems like he's done that very quickly uh, because he's taking care of his car in the Cup Series. Uh, He's not out there uh, making waves with the other drivers in the Cup Series. He's he's, uh, uh, just slowly and methodically learning what he can learn uh, to be a better race car. And and he repeated that uh, over and over again, that that's his goal, uh, to to do the best that he can each and every race. And for him, this is a race-by-race basis. He's not racing for points. He's not racing for maybe owner's points, but he's not racing for driver points. He's not racing to be in the playoffs or anything else. He's out there to learn everything that he can learn to make him a better driver. And I agree, too. 
you know, I was kind of, especially with some of the maturity issues that we saw from him earlier in the year, I was a little concerned that he might not be ready to go up to the cup level yet. But I think he's uh, swaying me to a certain degree. It's a lot different when you're racing in the Cup Series for four or five races uh, versus racing in the Cup Series for a full season. So I would I still personally like to see him stay in the Xfinity Series at least one more year, race some select races, uh, continue to race select races in the Cup Series, and uh, to show that he's, he's his talent and uh, uh, see how that goes before putting him in a car uh, in, say, 2024. But uh, that's just my personal preference. We'll see how that continues to play out. It does, and I know in certain situations, uh, and it happens to have been Joe Gibbs racing in the same boat. Um, you know, the plan was, uh, we heard that early in the year, to have Ty Gibbs in the Xfinity Series one more year. This situation with uh, Kurt Busch came about as a fellow team uh, partner in Toyota, if you will, with 2311. Um, we got the Kyle Busch contracts ongoing. We don't know yet um, there. But I hope that Joe Gibbs Racing really looks at it of what happened with Daniel Suarez because that's kind of the same boat he got put in. They mm-hmm. just wasn't quite ready. Uh, you know, and it's not that he didn't have the talent. Uh, we can't argue that as we've seen Daniel Suarez now winning races at the top level. But to go back and look at that, he kind of got thrust in and a little early um, due to a situation with Carl Edwards retiring. Uh, I'd hate to see that happen to Ty Gibbs um, to have to go through that as well. So how it all comes about I think Ty Gibbs is approaching it the right way as you mentioned taking it race by race he said you know the sim can only do so much so cup starts uh he's just absorbing what he can and the last thing I know we want to move on here as we we get ready to go over the uh race results but the other thing he mentioned was it's not that he's done then he said he was still whether he's driving or not he is still going to be with the team Again, understanding how the team works and works together to get the best results and, and everything. So just being part of that team and watching all that, absorbing it all, taking it all in, not just his part in the driving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's really good. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll continue to see how this plays out. Like I said, the news will come out later this week. We really don't know, like you said, what's going to happen with Kyle Busch. Uh, we really don't know what's going to happen with Kurt Busch. The concussion situation uh, may change his uh, plans uh, for next year. We'll have to wait and see if that happens. Uh, but, uh, you know, stay tuned for more on that front. Okay, we're going to go ahead and move to the truck series because the truck series actually did not race this past weekend. Uh, their last race was at Lucas Oil Indianapolis Raceway Park at the end of July, but their next race, is coming up this coming weekend, and Jay and I will talk more about that on Thursday night. Uh, but just to give you the heads up here, it is the World Worldwide Express 250 for Carrier Appreciation at Richmond Raceway on Saturday, August the 13th at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Coverage will be on Fox Sports 1, MRN, and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. Uh, I don't know if we've got, yeah, we do have an entry list here um, for that truck series race, 
and I'm going through there. Raja Karuth is listed uh, for Fuspire Motorsports. Uh, so we'll see um, Raja uh, in a truck car this weekend, and I can't see it. Joey Gase, I think that is, is going to be in Young's Motorsports number 20. Um, let's see, who else do we have here? Jack Wood for GMS Racing. Caden Honeycutt will be uh, racing the 30 for On Point Motorsports. Brett Holmes will be back in the number 32 for his race team. Jake Garcia, we mentioned his name earlier. He'll be racing the number 35 for McAnally Hilgeman Racing. So that's going to be cool to see. Uh, Chad Chastain is back in the Nice Motorsports number 44. Uh, Corey Heim in that number 51 for Kyle Busch Motorsports. Uh, Lane Riggs is back in the number 62 for Hallmark Friesen Racing. Uh, let's see, Mason Maggio for Peck Motorsports. Uh, and uh, I think that's all the big surprises on the entry list for this weekend. Kaz Grala is also going to be racing the 0-2 for Young Motorsports, and John Hunter Nemechek, of course, uh, will be in his familiar number four. So uh, any thoughts about the entry list there, Jay? Well, it's good. I know we got a, a week gap. Uh, they didn't run this weekend. Talking about the entry list, talk about some of these other drivers now. Um, and when we do our preview, because when it comes race time, uh, it's that time of year, we're going to talk about playoff drivers and what's going on there. I know we're going to with the results from the, the previous week and where the standings are, but there is some other storylines still within the truck series. And the reality is, uh, you know, I know you went through and we talk about them. Come playoff time, though, uh, you better be winning races in order to even be in the conversation. And we've seen it in the past. Sometimes even the race winner doesn't get covered because of the playoff implications. Exactly, exactly. So um, uh, it's uh, definitely uh, going to be uh, uh, an interesting race. We'll go more in depth on that on Thursday night when we do the preview for the Truck Series race. Uh, but let's go ahead and cover the points uh, after the race at in Indianapolis uh, because you're right. This is about the playoffs, and uh, uh, these guys will actually uh, in their playoffs already. So I think this next race is their second race of the playoffs, isn't it? It, it is. IRP uh, was the first one. Um, of their first round of three, and it delivered in a huge way on so many levels. Returning to IRP, it's a short track. It's the first race of the first round of the playoffs, and we saw Grant Enfinger majorly capitalize on that. So, yeah, I mean, this was a huge event all the way around, um, and they got that break now, and we're going to go to, uh, I believe, Richmond, if I'm not mistaken, for the uh, truck series, right? That's their next race. Yeah, Richmond okay. this weekend, um, and then their their cutoff race is going to be at Kansas on September the 9th. So there's going to be a little bit of a break between August 13th and September 9th when that cutoff race happens at Kansas Speedway. So you want to talk about the points. Grant Enzinger came in at the bottom of the 10 drivers eligible for the playoffs. He hadn't won. He got in on points, was below the line as the ninth and 10th. I believe him and Matt Crafton are the two that entered in those positions. 
and, and that's all changed. I mean, absolutely took the bucket, shook it, and turned it upside down. Picking up that victory puts him locked into the next round. So although he only has 2,057 points, he is into the next round. Now, Zane Smith, still good in a points position as he's got 2,079. Ben Rhodes in third at 2,065. Stuart Friesen would be in the same position as Grant Enfinger points-wise at 2,057, but actually gets pushed to fourth and isn't guaranteed in. Uh, John Hunter Nemechek and Chandler Smith tied at 2053. Ty Majeski at 2048. And we get down to Carson Hosevar, 2036. And then Matt Crafton and Christian Eckes at 2029, and they're tied. Um, so not only are they racing each other, they got to look at the seven points they got to make up on Carson Hosevar if they're going to look to get in on points. Now we saw it. Win and you move on. That's really what they're looking for, but they also have to be aware of those points because it may come down to that. As I mentioned, I believe Matt Crafton got in on points as well to start the playoffs and doesn't have a victory at this year either. Yeah, when you look at the fact that there are three different areas in that top ten involved ties, it tells you how important every single point is. Uh, Grant Infinger is... uh, uh, got the advantage because of uh, where he's at in the series point standings. Uh, I'm not sure why he has the point advantage, but he does. Well, Grant Infinger has the point advantage because he has the win. Uh, at so this that point, round him... one, just because of the win. There you go. Yeah, because of the win. When you look at the uh, points battle between um, uh, John Hunter Nemechek and uh, Chandler Smith, it's the stage wins that's making the difference for him, uh, I guess, that that gives him uh, the advantage there. And then the next point battle are the two drivers that are right now below that cut line at 2029. Uh, and <laughs> every point matters uh, when it comes to this truck series uh, playoff race. So you know this next race at Richmond is going to be huge for the truck series because these guys are going to be looking to try to break away uh, from a points perspective, and every point is going to matter in in that race and, again, at Kansas Speedway. And and I'll point that out. You you hit on it. When we look at when they started the playoffs, Grant Infinger um, starting at the bottom with only two playoff points, so that's how he got ranked. Right now he's locked into the next round. Once that starts, they'll reset based on points. But he now has seven playoff points, which would put him above of Carson Hosevar, Matt Crafton, um, and one other one. Oh, tied with Ty Majeski, as far as if those were the ones to make it. Look at Zane Smith. I mentioned how comfortable he's sitting, even not though he hasn't locked in with the win or moved on yet. But he's got 37 uh, playoff points. So Grant Infinger can sleep better at night knowing he's locked into that next round, but he's not going to take the next two weeks off because he wants to build those playoff points up more so when they get reseeded in the next round, which he's guaranteed to be in, he can get a little bit better start and closer to those guys at the top. Yes, indeed. Um, and, and like I say, these guys that are at the bottom, they're racing that are below that 10th place spot. They're racing for that 11th place spot. So uh, right now, Derek Krause has it uh, 
pretty well in hand, uh, but all that can change with an incident at the track. So these guys are looking to take care of their equipment and try to do everything they can to gain an advantage there as well uh, because they want to get into that 11th place spot. So we're talking about drivers like Derek Krause, who has that spot now, Tyler Ankrum, Matt Benedetto, uh, Tanner Gray, and Chase Purdy going down to the top 15. And, and I mentioned this earlier. Yeah, and, and I mentioned this earlier. At this point in the season, if you aren't in the playoffs, uh, your only goal then is you still want to finish as high as you can, in this case, 11th place in points. But getting a win, because that really is the only way you're even going to get really talked about. Uh, I know Race Hub uh, likes to do the, a segment now. It's called a non-playoff news, you know, if, if they have time. <laughs> and you know, call it fair or not, I, there, there's nothing else you can say. In any other sport, once you don't make it to the playoffs, you're done for the year. They're still out there racing, so they have an opportunity to make some noise and uh, get attention, but it's really difficult. Yes, it is, because all those drivers in the top ten are doing everything they can to get into the next round uh, of uh, the playoffs. and. And so uh, they are racing hard uh, to gain their points advantages as well, especially those drivers that are below the cut line right now, Chinecki's and Matt Crafton. Actually, uh, if you look over at uh, racing, I'm sorry, NASCAR.com, Chris Chinecki's has the advantage over Matt Crafton. Uh, with the other ties, we talked about, um, let's see, See, where's the other ties here? Uh, Grant Infinger, we know, has the advantage over uh, Stuart Friesen. Uh, they were tied. And I've lost the third tie here. John, John Hunter Nemechek and uh, Chandler oh. Smith. Yeah, Chandler Smith has the advantage over uh, John Hunter Nemechek when it comes to uh, that situation as well. And I think it's not necessarily reflected uh, the same over at Jayski. So uh, just to t- take a look at it from the playoff perspective, uh, it's important to know who has the advantage over the other drivers. Especially and and you, you bring up a great point. I hadn't noticed that uh, you're correct on Jayski. It just shows him as a tie, um, not who has the actual advantage. And just so fans know, if you're not familiar, when it comes to that, it is the tiebreaker – for this first round of three races would be the best finish within that round. So there again, if you you don't have the race winning truck, you're talking about getting the best finish because it can come down to that. If you had a fifth place finish in that round of three races versus a sixth place finish, one position, one point. We, I mean, we've talked, if you had the one point, you wouldn't be in a tie to begin with, but um, (laughs) that one position could be the determining factor, whether it be the difference between seventh and eighth, seventh and sixth. You know, we talk about throughout the regular season, how hard you fight for that one position. And that comes into play with your seating, but it's extremely important in these three races. If you don't get a win and lock yourself into that next round, that one position could be, your ticket for the next round. Exactly right. So keep an eye on these points, especially in the playoffs here, uh, because they are very, very tight with three ties, and uh, every point is going to be huge uh, in this truck series out at Richmond this weekend. 
Okay, we are going to move on now to the uh, Xfinity Series race out at Michigan International Speedway. It took place Saturday, August the 6th. Uh, the winner there uh, for the 30th annual New Holland 250 was Ty Gibbs at the age of 19, driving the number 54 Monster Energy Toyota uh, for owner Coy Gibbs and crew chief Chris Gale. We listened to his post-race interview about seven or eight minutes of that earlier. Uh, it was his ninth victory in 39 Xfinity Series races, his fifth victory and 13th top ten finish this year, which is just amazing. Uh, this is also his first victory and first top ten finish in two races he's had at Michigan. Justin Algauer came in second. He posted his seventh top ten finish in 11 races at Michigan and his 15th top ten finish this year. Noah Gregson in third, posting his third top ten finish in three races at Michigan. And Austin Hill, who finished in fifth place, was the highest finishing rookie of that race. Now, this was, uh, again, uh, Ty Gibbs taking control of the race in the final stage. He sped to his NASCAR Xfinity Series uh, best, fifth victory of the season uh, in the race. Uh, when the caution flag flew at, to end the second stage, Ty Gibbs and many others elected to pit when other front runners had to pit at the end of the stage. It gave Gibbs control of the race where he would go on to dominate the last stage and route to his fifth to win. Now, Gibbs has nine career victories in those 39 starts, as we mentioned earlier. Justin Algar finished second, while pole sitter Noah Gregson rebounded to finish third. We mentioned that earlier. Uh, and uh, Noah Gregson uh, rebounded to finish third after pitting at the end of stage two. Then it was Brandon Jones and Austin Hill rounding out the top five. Josh Berry rebounded from early contact with the wall to place sixth. A.J. Allmendinger, Daniel Hemrick, Riley Herbst, and Landon Castle round out the rest of the top ten. Now, Gregson swept those first two stages. Uh, there were also 12 lead changes among nine drivers and four cautions for 19 yellow flag laps. Uh, the average speed of the race was 141 0.621 miles per hour. Uh, Michigan, as we know, is a very fast racetrack. The margin of victory was 1.160 seconds between first and second. Your thoughts about those top ten? Uh, I got a million of them. So we'll start with uh, <laughs> with Ty Gibbs. You talked about it as far as a strategy. One race out of a, I don't remember in the Xfinity Series how many of their regular season contains, uh, I want to say 24 maybe there, but the one race out of it, the fact that they already do have four victories on the year, they can make a different strategy, and in this case it paid off. Uh, they got a little bit of a points cushion to, to play with, so they can do things like that, and in this case it paid off. They made the right strategy. So, and Ty Gibbs, we talked about this following his uh, um audio earlier the maturity level we've seen um over i would say the last three weeks um that we still we you mentioned we, we had some concerns over some situations we've seen some really great situations the side-by-side -side with McGrace, uh, noah gregson oh yeah um, that was awesome as a recent that we saw some that level change on both of their parts i think we, we both acknowledge that there was 
But this race is, as we come down to it, and I want to say they got three. I'll look at it when we get to the point standings. But coming down to it isn't just about this one race. It is setting themselves up for the playoffs. Ty Gibbs adding to his playoff total. The regular season championship, you know, right now, that's where A.J. Allmendinger is looking at to make sure he gets the 15 bonus points, which is equivalent to three race wins um, as we go into the playoffs. So each driver got a little bit of a different agenda, but other than winning the race. I mean, that's always number one agenda. I didn't get to see Noah Gregson's post-race interview. Uh, you know, appeared to have the car to beat. Some different things happened, put him in a different position. He was able to recover, as you said, to come back and finish third. But here again, fourth and fifth, Brandon Jones. I mean, having a super solid year, coming home in the fourth spot. And Austin Hill, a rookie. He's locked into the playoffs. He's leading the charge for RCR. Just got a um, Cup Series start and is in the conversation of possibly moving up to Cup. So he's got a lot on his plate, as well as racing and working at this Xfinity Series championship. So a lot going on with these uh, these drivers here in the Xfinity Series. There is. There's only five races left in the Xfinity Series regular season, with Watkins Glen coming up next in August 20th. Then it's at Daytona International Speedway on the 26th. In September, on the 3rd, they'll be at Darlington Raceway. On the 10th, it's Kansas Speedway. And their season finale is at Bristol Motor Speedway on September the 16th. Uh, And then they start their playoff round of 12 at Texas Motor Speedway on the 24th. So um, that's going to be an interesting five races. And it's going to get more intense as we get closer to uh, the end here. But I will say... I thought that race between Ty Gibbs and Noah Gregson was a much better showcase of what those drivers' talents are uh, than when they're bumping each other out of the way. Uh, I loved the showcase of their talent uh, when they were racing each other for that victory and doing it very cleanly. Yeah, I watched, uh, that was a couple of weeks ago. But, yeah, watching that race, truthfully, I wasn't in, the, in my mind of even the race itself. It was. I knew that you would be happy with that. And this weekend, real quick, you should have been happy as somebody chose to pass on Ty Gibbs as their fantasy pick, and Sharon got to take him. So you're welcome. Oh. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I looked at kept I looked at it a couple of times. I said, Nobody's taken Ty Gibbs yet. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. Uh so I was like, Okay, let me take him. But with so, that, um rounding rounding out their uh sixth through tenth, there's some great stories going there as well. Josh Berry coming home in the sixth spot, AJ Almendinger again, um, was ended up being my pick, had a good run, was in the mix. I know he's talked about it, though. He is keeping an eye on that regular season championship. Daniel Hemrick, storyline there. Last year's champion hasn't won yet this year, is near the bottom of the points, what we'll talk about in a minute. Um, just to look together to find that final click. Riley Herbst, another one. Great run in the ninth position uh, in the Stuart Haas Monster Energy forward there. And then Landon Castle with College Racing, another one having a phenomenal career year for him and should work his way, I say should, into the playoffs as well. 
Yes, indeed. Now, there were some drivers that ran into some issues this weekend. Matt Mills had an accident on lap 39 that took him out of the race. Uh, C.J. McLaughlin, uh, same thing, an accident on lap 40, taking him out. There was an electrical issue for Josh Williams on lap 87 uh, that took him out of the race. And David Starr had a hub issue on lap 100 that took him out of the race early. So, uh, unfortunately, there were, what, four drivers uh, that had some mechanical uh, problems or accidents that uh, affected their race finish. Well, and I know you went strictly off the uh, the DNF list there, although there were a couple more. Dylan Bassett running at the end but finished in the 34 spot. Championship contender or playoff-bound Sam Mayer in the number one junior motorsports machine. I know that was a big one as far as your top drivers. Um, But there were also a couple of good stories here I wanted to hit uh, just outside the top ten. Mentioned Sammy Smith. Got a start in the number 18 Joe Gibbs Racing Toyota. Comes home in the 12th spot. We've seen that just as we talked about Ty Gibbs and his cup start. Sammy Smith making the most of these Xfinity Series starts. Um, Brandon Brown, great storyline there. Having a good year right there outside the points, probably going to need a win. But he's also trying to balance that uh, ownership hat as that's a self-owned team. He has stepped out of that car and run in a couple different cars throughout the year to try and bring in another driver sponsorship money to ensure the car is on the track. Uh, you really got to admire that as a driver to, to step out of your own car for the benefit of the team. Yes, indeed. Uh, let's go ahead and hit the uh, points report here for the Xfinity Series. As I mentioned, there's five more races left in their regular season before they uh, head into their playoff part of the schedule. All right, leading the points for the regular season championship, uh, 21 races in, I guess they'd have a total of 26 then. A.J. Allmendinger is still your points leader by 19 points. He's got three wins on the year and two stage wins, for 17 playoff points, and those will become extremely important after those five races, and if he picks up this regular season championship, picking up a bonus of 15 more. Justin Algar, he's in the second spot. I mentioned 19 points back. Total of 21 playoffs, as he also has three wins on the year. Now, here's the key factor. Ty Gibbs in the third position, 28 points back from the regular season championship, still in contention with five races to go, but with his fifth race win and three stage wins, has a total of 28 playoff points. So even with the bonus that AJ will get, Ty Gibbs is going to be right there with him when they reseed. Uh, Noah Gregson, another one in that boat, only has three, way, three race wins. Uh, that seems to be a common one there. But has a total of 25 playoff points. Based on, we saw him pick up two this weekend at Michigan, he has 10 stage wins. Uh, throughout races, so he's sitting at 25 playoff points. Six, uh, nope, sorry, fifth spot, Josh Berry, two race wins, total of 16 playoff points. Rookie Austin Hill mentioned that. He does have two race wins now, one stage win for 11 playoff points. And then Brandon Jones with one win and one stage win for six playoff points. A spot is Riley Herbst. Uh, doesn't fill any of those blocks. Uh, I know they're really working on uh, week-in and week performance. Going to have to start picking up them, some of them points 
for the reseeding coming up in the playoffs. Sam Mayer does have two stage wins, sitting in the ninth spot, so two playoff points. And I mentioned Daniel Hemrick. Right now in the 10th spot, uh, 290 points back from the season for the regular season. Two stage victories, though, for two playoff points. Landon Castle, unfortunately, has a zeros across the board. And then our 12th spot for the Xfinity Series cutoff is Ryan Sieg. He's sitting at 499 points, one stage win, one playoff point. Behind him in the 13th spot. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead and finish that out. Okay, Sheldon, uh, Creed. Sheldon Creed is your first first driver out in 13th. Uh, is 47 to be 52 points back. Five races, that's a lot of points to be made up on a, on a guy in front of you that's running as good as Ryan Sieg and Landon Castle. So we're looking, getting into that must-win situation. And then Anthony Alfredo, Brandon Brown, and Brett Moffitt. Actually, Moffitt only has 20 starts, so wouldn't be eligible. Um, those are your next ones down that would be eligible if they get the win. As I, I say, the points is going to be tough to make up there. Yes, indeed. Now, I'm looking at the uh, reseeding, the projected playoff ranking. And, of course, uh, A.J. Allmendinger is for that regular season championship. But to start off their playoffs right now, Ty Gibbs is at the top of the list with those five wins uh, at 2,036 points. Uh, then it's a tie for second place between Noah Gregson, who right now sits in second place, uh, and that's uh, interesting with A.J. Allmendinger, uh, also tied at 2,032 points in third place. Uh, then we're looking at just one point behind them is Justin Allgaier. Uh Josh Berry is at uh, 2,022 points in fifth place, followed by Austin Hill, 2016, in sixth place. The next uh, six drivers, pretty much the same here, uh, Again, it's based on the wins, uh, and, you know, those top four drivers have five with Ty Gibbs, three wins between Noah Gregson, uh, Allmundinger, and Algauer. They have three wins on the season. Josh Berry and Austin Hill both have two wins. That's why they're the top six in points. The only other driver uh, that has a win in this group is Brandon Jones. He has the one win that puts him in seventh place at 20,010 points. Uh, beyond that, you've got Sam Mayer at 2,004 points in ninth. Um, I don't, oh, yeah, Riley Earps at 2,003, and Daniel Hemrick at 2,003 points. Uh, they are below Sam Mayer. And then it's Ryan Sieg at 2,001 and Landon Castle in the 12th spot with 2,000 points. So it jumbles it up a little bit when you look at the projected playoff points and you start lining these guys up based on their wins. So these guys that uh, can improve their position with a victory and bounce themselves a little bit further up in the uh, playoff if they can get a win before in these next five races. Well, you mentioned it, five races left, and you kind of mentioned there. there's a couple of drivers that moved two or three spots. How about in the Cup Series? We're talking about somebody maybe moving 14 positions based on what you just said, driver winning, bouncing some things around. Exactly right. And we'll move on to the Cup Series now because uh, we had that happen 
we had someone below the cut line uh, get a victory this weekend, and it uh, does bounce uh, one of the drivers out, and we'll get into that in a little bit. But the race winner uh, for the 54th Annual Firekeepers Casino 400 is Kevin Harvick at the age of 46 in the number four Bush Light Apple Bushel of Bush Ford. Uh, the team owner is Tony Stewart. Crew chief is Rodney Childers. Uh, Harvick won his 59th victory in 777 Cup Series races. Uh, it was his first victory and 12th top 10 finish this year. His sixth victory in 22, 22nd top 10 finishes in 42 races at Michigan International Speedway. Bubba Wallace was disappointed with his second-place finish, but it was a great finish for him. Uh, it was his second-top finish in nine races at Michigan and his sixth-top finish this year. Denny Hamlin in third posted his 17th-top-10 finish in 32 races at Michigan. And Todd Gilliland, who finished 27th, was the highest-finishing rookie of the race. Uh, now, for this Cup Series... Uh, let me get to the race page here real quick. <clears throat> uh, Kevin Harvick actually broke a 65-race drought with his Cup Series win at Michigan. On a blustery Sunday in the Irish Hills of Michigan, Kevin Harvick saved his season by grabbing the lead and pulling away after a restart on lap 166 at 200 at Michigan International Speedway. Harvick won the Firekeeper's Casino uh, by 2.903 seconds over the pole winner, Bubba Wallace, and leapfrogged uh, bubble-riding Martin Truex Jr. in the NASCAR Cup Series playoff standings. Uh, <clears throat> the win was the first of the year for Carvick, the sixth at Michigan and the 59th of his career. Uh, the pole winner, Wallace, finished second, followed by Hamlin, Logano, Blaney, Truex Jr., Kyle Larson, uh, Eric Jones, Alex Bowman, and Ty Gibbs for that top 10 finish for the rookie. Now, Harvick took, took the lead with 35 laps to go when he stayed out under caution and never relinquished the lead. He pulled away to win by almost three seconds. The start was delayed by more than an hour because of rain, and the race actually went green at 4.33 p.m. Eastern time. Stage one was won by the number of Christopher Bell, stage two by the number 11 of Denny Hamlin. There were 15 lead changes among 10 drivers, seven cautions for 36 yellow flag laps. The average speed of this race was actually lower than the Xfinity race at 137.825 miles per hour. Your thoughts about those top 10 drivers, Jay? As always, you got to start at the top with the winner, Kevin Harvick. So happy for him. Uh, we may see happy Harvick return. I, I can't say he's been grumpy. And truthfully, I think we've seen this improvement over the last, I'd say, three to four weeks. They just haven't had the finish. Uh, I'm trying to think. Um, I know there was an incident between two other drivers that Harvick got tangled in. I think we have seen them come back to a top five to ten team getting ready to contend for victories over the past several weeks. Yep. It just hasn't shown in the results. But you talk about one win changing not only their year, their season, uh, very much so, but the entire NASCAR playoff setup. 
um, as you mentioned, we'll get a little deeper into that with the point system, uh, point standings here in a minute. But for Kevin Harvick, I, and I heard his interview uh, after the race, said, they asked something about if there was any doubt in their team, you know, or whatever. And, and Harvick said, hey, if, if you know us and, and you doubted us, you don't know us. Uh, there was never any quit or give up or anything yep. in them. And I know Rodney Childers, the crew chief, in his post-race, he said he's been struggling. I mean, he doesn't deny it. That next-gen car, everything he's known for 20 years has kind of gone out the window with this next-gen car. So, as we mentioned earlier, it has taken the older drivers or crew chiefs a little bit more time because they have to unlearn things versus somebody else coming in. All they need to do is learn the new. Uh, They don't have to unlearn anything, if you will. So, to see that finally come to fruition... Then you got the Bubba Wallace. I, man, your heart just goes out to him. He started on the pole. I really would have liked to have seen him win. I'm happy for Harvick. Uh, I'd like to see that. Bubba Wallace, I mean, he couldn't even, he tried his best to do an interview. He, he didn't want to walk away, but he was struggling. And uh, he is one that is a very emotional person. We've seen that in the past. To know he was that close, would have locked himself into the playoffs. Um just just heartbreaking uh, to, to have seen that interview with him. Then you got your regular contenders, Joey Logano, Ryan Blaney. Blaney, another one we're going to talk about a little further down, as well as sixth place finishing Martin Truex. They are now a very highlighted situation and storyline moving forward. Uh, here on the cup side, Eric Jones. Uh, Sharon, I believe you went out on the limb, you said, and picked him. He delivered. Eighth place finish. <laughs> Uh, just re-signed with the GMS Petty Racing or Petty GMS Racing. Um, so that team, too, right now in a good spot. Um, they've come into the track. Again, you've got to go step-by-step. Step. You don't go from running 15th to winning. Uh, they're in that stage, eighth-place finish, right around where they're at. We've seen them contend for a win here and there or top five, but it's that consistent week in and week out. So another good run for that number 43 machine. And then you got Alex Bowman. Uh, I know he had a couple of situations uh, on track. Uh, Didn't take him out, but uh, definitely affected his running position. And 10th place, we we mentioned it earlier, Ty Gibbs filling in in that number 45 Monster Energy Toyota for 23-11. Got a top 10 finish. Uh, How do I say it? Wasn't the headline because of uh, causing any problems or making rookie mistakes? just quietly ran and finished in the top 10, as he's done in every race, 15th or 16th and 17th in the previous two, just logging all the laps. We hear all these drivers talk about that in their first starts or whatever, logging all the laps and getting a finish, not being on the hook. So big shout-out to Ty Gibbs there. Yes, indeed. Now, there were uh, a few accidents in this race, taking some drivers out of contention. Uh, some early ones, lap 24, took out J.J. Yaley, Kyle Busch, and Austin Sindrick. Uh, on lap 25, uh, two more drivers were involved, Eric Almarola and Ricky Stenhouse, Jr. Lap 25, another accident. I'm sorry, lap 29, another accident taking out Harrison Burton. Uh, Cole Custer, man, that fire just was really scary. Lap uh, 94 took him out of contention um, for Cole Custer. Lap 109, it was Noah Gregson uh, caught up in an accident, taking him out. And then on lap 110, 
Tyler Reddick had an engine issue that took him out early. Uh, so there are some other drivers uh, that were out early. Michael McDowell um, on lap 187, Todd Gilliland 188, uh, and Christopher Bell on lap 193 had an accident that took him out of the running. So uh, a couple drivers here finishing a little early. Uh, Daniel Suarez, lap 198. Uh, Ross Tastain, 199, as well as uh, B.J. McLeod out on 199. So um, really an interesting scenario there. Uh, now, unlike the Xfinity Series, the Cup Series guys have only three more races uh, before their regular season ends. So talk about the intensity wrapping up, and now you've got uh, some drivers below the cut line that weren't there before. Um, they've got three more chances with Richmond Raceway, Watkins Glen International, and Daytona International Speedway being the last race of the regular season on August 27th for the NASCAR Cup Series. And that's a wild card race. These drivers want to get that win before they get to Daytona if they possibly can. So I look for the intensity to be pretty big in these next two races. Let's go ahead and cover the points here. Well, you you mentioned it there, the intense intensity, and I think last week the word that got used was desperation. That has changed. I think every one of these races coming up for certain drivers is going to be a wild card race for that reason. And we'll get into that here as we run through the points right now, Chase Elliott is your regular season championship leader, got a 119-point lead over Ryan Blaney. With those four wins and five stage wins, he's got 25 playoff points built up, plus the bonus if he picks up the regular season championship, which is huge when we look at some of these others. Ryan Blaney, no victories on the year and only has five playoff points. And I've got to come back to him. Ross Chastain sitting in the third spot. Two race victories, four stage wins for 14 playoff points. Martin Truex, no race wins, does have seven stage wins, seven playoff points, but he may not be able to use them. Kyle Larson, one win, three stages, eight playoff points. Joey Logano, pair of victories for 12, a total of 12 playoff points. Christopher Bell, if we have time, I want to hit him. One win, two stages, seven playoff points. Kyle Busch, man, there are so many stories there we still got to cover. Uh, Right now in eighth with a total of six playoff points. Kevin Harvick now moves up to ninth. He was outside the top 16. Well, technically, all right. Um, Mm -hmm. So picks up the win and five playoff points. William Byron uh, in tenth, two wins, 13 playoff points. Bowman. One win and six playoff points. Tyler Reddick, two wins and 12 playoff points. Daniel Suarez, one win and seven playoff points. 14th, as of just going strictly by points, 14th is Eric Jones. Uh, zeros across the board. Chase Briscoe in 15th, a win and three stages, eight playoff points. Austin Sindrick right now, uh, the rookie, one win at Daytona, one stage win for six playoff points. Denny Hamlin is 17th. Now, Kurt Busch is back in 20th. Uh, missed the last three races, but has been granted the waiver. So if he come, when he comes back, if he comes back, we don't know that yet, he will be in. So you got Kurt Busch, Denny Hamlin, 
and it's two. Okay, yeah, two. So move them up. What am I missing yeah. here? Hmm. It's really be, a oh, unique year. Three. It's really a unique okay. year. You've got drivers below the cut line with wins <laughs> that are bouncing drivers that are above the cut line in points, uh, bouncing out because they don't have a win. Fifteen of the sixteen drivers all have victories uh, this season. And if you look at the projected uh, playoff schedule, uh, you've got Chase Elliott at the top with his uh, five, four wins at 20,040 points. Ross Chastain in second uh, with the two wins, followed by Joey Logano with two wins, uh, 2017 points. Uh, then you've got Ryan Blaney right now, no wins. Uh, but he would be up in uh, fourth place on his points. Um, then it's uh, 2014 would be William Byron. He's tied with Kyle Larson also at 2014 points. Uh, William Byron has the two wins. That puts him above the, uh, William uh, uh, Kyle Larson. Then it's Denny Hamlin with two wins along with Tyler Reddick. Uh, they have 2013 and 12 points respectively uh, with one win. Now, these drivers all have one win here. Uh, Christopher Bell at 2011, uh, Kyle Busch at 29, uh, then you've got Chase Briscoe at 28, uh, Kurt Busch with 2007. He's actually a three-way tie with Kevin Harvick and Daniel Suarez right now. And then in a two-way tie, uh, both of these drivers with one point are Austin Sindrick and Alex Bowman. Now, what's interesting here is that uh, should Martin Truex, say, get a win in these next couple of races, uh, it could bump out a driver like Alex Bowman or Austin Sindrick uh, based on their projected points. So even though they have a win, the next driver that wins could bump out a driver who also has a win. But actually, I think Ryan Blaney is the next driver to bump out, isn't he? Because yes, he has I was no going to say, you're missing Ryan Blaney. This was yeah. what I mentioned earlier, that huge second in points for the year. But yeah. he is technically on the cut line if a new yep. driver wins from below the cut line. Exactly right. So this gets a little bit tricky. But remember, we have three more races. So if two drivers win, uh, say Martin Truex Jr. and Bubba Wallace or Eric Jones or Eric Amarola, say if those drivers, if two of those drivers get a win, that's where you have drivers like Austin Sindrick or Alex Bowman that might be in jeopardy of losing their playoff berth because it would it could possibly bounce them out of uh, the top 16. But a lot of that's going to depend on their points. Um, it could be that Eric Jones, for example, might get a win, but still not be in the playoffs based on his points for the season. So you want to know what that sounds like? You want to know what that sounds like to me, Sharon? That's, that sounds like that might be a hot topic. <laughs> yeah. I think it's going to be interesting to watch because there's three races left. Uh, there's still the potential for one of those drivers to get a victory. So we'll see what happens. We are uh, at the top of the hour, and it is time for our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off, and we have a couple of our regulars 
uh, that are, this I think is the first time we've all been together uh, in a long, long time. So uh, mark this one on the calendar. Uh, joining us tonight is Andy Lasky. Welcome to the show, Andy. Hey, what's going on, guys? How you doing? It's good to have you here. Uh, and also Michael Orzel back in the saddle. Hey, oh, wow, it's been a while since we've had the gang all here. It's good to be back. <laughs> it is indeed. Okay, so we have a lot of hot topics uh, to discuss here tonight. Uh, so let's go ahead and kick it off. Andy, you get the first hot topic. We'll follow that up with Mike and then Jay. Yeah, I think, you know, coming off this weekend, obviously Kevin Harvick becomes the 16th different winner in the Cup Series this season. So the question I have is, will we see somebody that's won a race that doesn't make the playoffs this year? Okay, Mike, your thoughts about that? Well, I, I joined in to catch the back half of your discussion that you had with Jay, and you mentioned guys like Austin Sindrick, Alex Bowman, uh, guys who have that one win but are pretty low in points. But realistically, the first driver who will be out who has a win will be Kurt Busch. Unfortunately, Kurt has missed three consecutive races. We haven't heard whether he's going to be cleared yet to run at Richmond this weekend, but so far he's missed Pocono, Indianapolis, and now Michigan. So that's three consecutive races that have dropped him solidly, I believe, to 22nd in points, well below uh, all the other playoff contending drivers. So if there is a 17th winner this year, it's most likely going to be Kurt Busch bumped out. Now, as far as who could score a win, well, I didn't have Kevin Harvick on my list of potential winners. He was a he was a maybe, but I would say an outside shot. Uh, Martin Truex and Ryan Blaney, I both see having a potential to win a race this year. Uh, Martin Truex probably this weekend at uh, at Richmond. He tends to be extremely good there. Uh, I don't know who has the first pick for our fantasy group, but I do know who finished last yesterday, which was my pick, Austin Sindrick. So by my math, Jay, you might as well mark me down for Martin Truex this weekend. Um, if he wins, that would bump Ryan Blaney back out. But we also know that Ryan Blaney tends to be very good at restrictor plate style races in the season, regular season ends at Daytona. So don't count Ryan Blaney out for a potential win at Daytona. We're not done yet with, uh, with potential winners this year, and we've got five races left. This is going to be a pretty interesting run. Okay. Uh, he's still in the – Bush is, or Kurt Busch is still in the top 30 so uh, I'm not sure if he's going to get bumped out or not, but I think Ryan Newman or Ryan Blaney is the one who's on that bubble. Jay. Okay, yeah, several in my head here. Uh, I would have to look a little closer on that um, as far as who would be. I understand what Mike's saying of where Kurt Busch is in overall points, which I think he might be right. I, like I said, I, I'd have to verify that. Um, that he technically is the lowest driver with only one win. They don't use the playoff points until you get into the playoffs. So I do think, first off, you're right, Sharon and I, and I, and I caught this. Right now, the next winner, uh, if they're below the cut line, does bump out Ryan Blaney, and we have a full field of race winners. It would take Excuse me, two let me winners just say from this. below the In the projected playoff points at NASCAR.com, they show Kurt Busch being in, in 12th place in that three-way tie with Kevin Harvick and Daniel Suarez at 2,007 points. They do show him in 20th place 
which he is, but in the projected playoffs, he is ranked in 12th. And that that would be if we don't get two more winners to push Ryan Blaney and the the first race winner out. So um, you mentioned Eric Jones. Uh, He would be one if he were to get a race win, possibly not even lock himself in because he's in 14th at 538. Um, So, yeah, it would take a wild scenario. Um, The question of do we see it now? I think we might get a full field of 16, seeing two winners from below the cut line over the next three races. I don't think we're going to see that. Um, That's pushing it a little far. Um, Not that it's not possible. We've mentioned a couple. Eric Jones um, has been running, had signs of top five finish. Eric Almarola, Bubba Wallace. Bubba Wallace would be one, especially when it comes to Daytona in that wild card. And Austin Dillon, just haven't seen it. The other one that really a dark horse, we've seen Chris Busher with RFK Racing leading that team, another one. I mean, he got a top 10 with a burned up race car for crying out loud. So you never know. Like I said, I think each one of these next three races is going to be an extreme wild card race, especially for some of these drivers in these positions. And to end this first round of segment here, since Mike put it out there, he's picking Martin Truex. Sharon, I just want to point out, some people look out for others. I let you have Ty Gibbs. Mike immediately takes your pick. I mean, that just says it all. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I haven't – actually, nobody picked Martin Truex last weekend, which I was a little surprised at as well. But uh, anyway, we'll see what happens this week. Um, Yeah, I do think it is going to be possible. Uh, Is it probable? I'm not sure. But I think it is possible that we could have a driver below that cut line that wins, and it's not enough to get him in based on his points. Uh, Right now, Austin Sindrick and Alex Bowman are at the bottom in 15th and 16th. They have the lowest point totals uh, in – in the top 16 for the projected playoff drivers. Uh, So that's the only reason why I thought they might be vulnerable. But when I look at the points right now, as it stands for Eric Jones and Eric Almirola, uh, Bubba Wallace, those guys may not have enough points that get them above that 2006 threshold, which means that they could possibly get a win and they're still not going to be in the playoffs. Uh, so I, it's the first time that we've seen that happen. We've got drivers that are below the cut line. Kurt Busch is an example. 20 is placed below the cut line, but because uh, he has that win, he's got enough points uh, that it can put him up into uh, that that playoff top 16 uh, because of that win. Kevin Harvick, um, uh, I think it isn't uh, – Denny Hamlin, one of those drivers, too. Denny Hamlin. Yeah. Sharon, can I interrupt you real quick? Bob Pockers actually clarified this uh, earlier today. Um, Bob Pockers came out and said that NASCAR uses exclusively regular season points for determining the cutoff if there's uh, more than 16 winners. So all those playoff points are irrelevant until the playoffs actually start. Only the regular season points are used when determining who is above or below the cut line. So any accumulated playoff points are not part of that consideration, according to Bob's post earlier today. Okay, I'm just looking at the projected playoff by NASCAR 
says it's listed at NASCAR.com. So <clears throat> we'll see how that how that goes um, <clears throat> as we get closer. But you do have, you know, Kurt Busch, who has that signed waiver, that puts him up in that 12th spot in the projected playoff points uh, as it stands right now. So it's going to be interesting. I think it could be the first time that we do see perhaps a driver – Get a win and still not be in the in the playoffs. So we'll see how it plays out. Uh, it's going to be interesting these next three races, though, because we've seen it all year long. Uh, anybody has a chance to win, and that's one of the objectives of the next gen car is to create more parity, and that's why we're seeing exactly what we're seeing in this year's playoffs. So it is going to be interesting, Andy. Yeah, I mean. I think we all thought this was a, a possibility, especially when you look at, you know, early on in the season, we had some first-time winners, some, some drivers we hadn't seen win in a while, plus the, the usual drivers that win all the time. So I think we, we realized that even early on that this was a strong possibility, but I'm not sure we all thought it was going to actually happen until, in my mind, when Harvick won this past weekend, it suddenly became a reality of, oh, wow, we might actually see 16 or more winners, and, and I think that's a strong possibility. Uh, maybe not so much at Richmond. I think Richmond, you'll see the Toyotas be extremely strong as they've been in years past, and, and like what um, has already been mentioned, you know, drivers like Truex, Hamlin, Christopher Bell, um, they're all going to be strong, Kyle Busch, but uh, Bubba Wallace, I mean, he has really shown up in the last few weeks and has shown speed everywhere, Um I don't know that you can rule him out at Richmond, and if he wins, there's your 16th different winner. So, um, and, and that's not to mention the two wild cards forthcoming after that in, in Watkins Glen and Daytona. So um, I think there is a strong possibility that you see more than 16 winners for the regular season. And, um, yeah, someone could easily get bumped out that thought they were in, you know, especially amongst those teams, you know, looking at like Bowman, Briscoe, Sindrick, some of those guys who probably thought early on they were going to be completely to the good of making the playoffs. And um, all of a sudden it's, it's become maybe more of a points racing game to be ahead of a couple of those lower seated playoff cars in the next couple of weeks. So I think everyone it has to be points racing at this point, especially if you're in that back part of the playoff field to ensure that you're in, um, going forward, but I think that, you know, this this format is working as intended in which NASCAR and the fans were screaming for putting more emphasis on winning races, but with that being said, I do want to take a look at the fact that there is a possibility that drivers that currently sit second and fourth in the, in the regular season points may not make the playoffs, and I don't know if you want to call that a flaw or not in the system, but it would be a, a pretty big shame to see someone who's been so consistent not make the playoffs that being said emphasis is being placed on winning and and those drivers have for whatever reason yet to visit victory lane so maybe they'll do so in the coming races uh truex has a great chance at richmond i think blaney has a good chance anywhere he goes so who knows maybe those two can visit victory lane and and rightly seed themselves firmly into the playoffs but um, it's getting interesting. I, I think that we're approaching a point that I'm not sure we actually thought would come to fruition, um, you know, and, and especially with Harvick kind of throwing a wrench in things and winning a race finally. 
it uh, I think it's got everybody a bit nervous, especially if you're way back there in the playoff field. Okay, now I just uh, I found the tweet that um, uh, Mike was talking about, and I've reposted it over at Twitter for those of you that are following along. You can see it in my timeline at Banff Racing site. Uh, It says, the current one-win bubble of more than 16 winners, Bowman is at plus 87, Suarez plus 71, Briscoe plus 48, and Sendrick and Bush are both uh, at the bubble with Sendrick at plus 46, Kurt Busch at minus 46. So I see where you're coming from with that. Um, So it's just interesting that NASCAR.com has posted something totally different uh, at their website. So uh, we'll see how it plays out. But, Mike, go ahead and uh, say what you wanted to say in your follow-up. Sure. Yeah, I, I really hope Kurt Busch is able to get back, and not just for his own sake, obviously, but with the speed that 2311 has been showing. Uh, Je- uh, Andy mentioned Bubba Wallace has been running faster, but look at Ty Gibbs, a Xfinity driver who has less than a full season worth of Xfinity Series experience. He just got his first top ten in the NASCAR Cup Series yesterday in Kurt Busch's ride, filling in for the injured Kurt Busch. So I really, really hope that Kurt Busch gets back in time in order to to take advantage of the speed that 2311 has found. And honestly, I think he's a more deserving player or a playoff driver than some of the other guys who are ahead of him in points. You mentioned that bubble there. Do I think Kurt Busch has a better chance at winning the Cup Series championship than Austin Sindrick? Yes. Chase Briscoe? Yes. Christopher Bell? Yeah, probably. So getting Kurt Busch back into the playoffs and giving him the opportunity to race for that championship I think is really important here because, yes, he has the waiver, but unfortunately because of his injury, he's in the position where waiver or not, if we have 17 winners, the points are going to do what the points do. And unfortunately, Kirk Bush is, he's not mathematically eliminated from climbing back up above another one win playoff driver in the regular season points, but he's pretty close with how few races we have left. So it, Kirk Bush is probably in the most vulnerable position, unfortunately through no fault of his own. So I really do hope we get to see him back and he doesn't end up missing the playoffs because of his injury. Okay, Jay. Well, Sharon, the, the, the key element of what you, you're, you're reading from NASCAR.com is that's as it is right now. And right now we don't have those two more winners that would even make this the situation where it would right. be a driver with a win out. So that's what they're looking at when they re-rack them. As Mike's pointed out, the playoff points don't matter you, until you reseat. To get into that reseeding, it goes by the regular season points. And right now, Ryan Blaney is in um, without a victory, the one driver left. Um, Going to what Andy said, we know we've come close. I believe last year it was two drivers that got in on points. Right now we're looking at one, possibly none. And for the second year in a row, it is that Daytona 500 winner, that first win of the year, that is riding it out and in possibly in jeopardy. Last year it was Michael McDowell. Austin Sindrick is the one that's in that discussion this year. Now we have seen him have some good runs, especially when it comes to road courses. We got Watkins Glen coming up where he could uh, possibly get a second victory and eliminate himself from that conversation. Um, 
but so there there is a lot of different scenarios that could play out. I just I don't see two new race winners in the next three races. First off, starting at Richmond, you just mentioned it, uh, and Mike, good pick. Uh, you can't argue with taking Martin Truex out the gate here at Richmond coming up there. Denny Hamlin, this is where we're going to see, I think, several of those that already have race wins and regular race winners really come in and shine. The problem is, is what Sharon has talked about, these drivers that know that, uh, Kevin Harvick, and he didn't make any bold or rash moves. I mean, he did um, just run a good race, but we might get start to get to see it, especially at a road course like Watkins Glen, Richmond's a short track, uh, so we may see it, but you're going to see some desperation, last ditch, this is our last chance, all we got. Uh, Bubba Wallace is one of those. Uh, We know what kind of driver he is. They've got the speed right now. He's going to be in there mixing it up. I'd hate to see him tarnish even his reputation of possibly be like, hey, this is my last shot. I've got to do something wild and crazy. Uh, I don't want to see it come down to that, whether they get in or cost themselves even the chance over the next two races. So hopefully everybody races rather smart and they don't all go into turn one and not turn, um, if you will, of of that. So we'll see how it goes, but it could be interesting. It could be real interesting. There, I see one maybe, and we have a full field of winners. And as much as I like Ryan Blaney, I that's a tough call, and this goes back to 20, 2003, I believe, that this really came about with Matt Kenseth. Of you, they wanted to see winners move on, winners win the championship. Can it still be done? We saw it in the truck series with Matt Crafton. It's very, very, very hard and unlikely, but it can be done, and that's NASCAR's point. If you can still do it with the rules we've set, more power to you, but we're going to make it tough on you. Win a race. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, You talked about a couple of scenarios that could play out here, and I want to kind of bring up some of those. Uh, The best thing that Kurt Busch could do is get back, uh, whether he comes back at Richmond or Watkins Glen, uh, I think will be the big question. Uh, But I think he's capable of winning at Watkins Glen, and the best thing he can do is go out there and get another win. That would secure his spot into the playoff. Same thing with um, uh, Kevin Harvick. He's got one win now. <laughs> he was or Austin Sindrick. That was the one I wanted to bring up. Austin Sindrick won at Daytona International Speedway. Can he go out there and win again in the season finale and improve his situation? Um, so uh, Martin Truex Jr. and Ryan Blaney, they're certainly going to be going after wins in these next three races. So, um Bubba Wallace, I've never seen anybody more dejected than Bubba Wallace uh, at the end of uh, the race this weekend. He wants that win so bad, uh, and you know he's going to be trying to go after it in these next three races. So this is the one that they had circled on their calendar, uh, but we've seen Bubba do really well at Daytona as well. So that's where I think a lot of this desperation is going to come in. Uh, with some of these drivers. You're right, Jay. I hope they race like Kevin Harvick did this weekend and they race smart uh, and not do what they did at the last road course race uh, where everybody went into turn one and just nosedived. Uh, 
we want to we want these guys to be professional race car drivers and uh really get out there and go after it uh but not to the point of ridiculousness so uh i i think that there is going to be some desperation i think there is going to be uh some smart racing and i think the smart races are going to be the ones that really went out in this particular case over these next three races so andy you get the final word here yeah i I think it's just going to get very interesting um especially when you look at these last three races and um i don't know it it, (laughs) i think like i said with, with there being 15 different winners and only really one more spot open for the playoffs it it um it really blows things pretty wide open here. So I, I don't know what's going to happen, but I, I can guarantee these last three races are going to be pretty interesting just from the standpoint of seeing if if we do get a 16th different winner or if we see maybe somebody that's higher up in points get a win that knocks out a previous winner. I mean, there, there's a lot of scenarios that can play out here, you know, and, and I, I I think it's, it's going to get pretty interesting. And I, I kind of just – Unless you're, you know, maybe top twelve in the, in the playoffs, uh, as far as your where you're where you're in the standings, you're really not safe. And I think that it puts a lot of pressure on, you know, those probably bottom four teams, you know, for for making sure they're ahead of the other guys in order to to get in. So it, it's going to get interesting, but you know, it's that time of the year when when the pressure's on, and I think just based on the number of winners we've seen. Um, there's going to be a lot of pressure on a lot of different people these last three races of the regular season. Exactly right. I think you're right. Okay, Mike, you get to bring up the next hot topic. All right. Well, I mentioned it a little bit in the previous topic about Kurt Busch missing his third consecutive race and Ty Gibbs filling in for him. Ty Gibbs is doing an admirable job, but we can't ignore the fact that one of the uh, longest tenured drivers in the NASCAR Cup Series is sidelined with no timetable yet set for his return. Uh, we haven't heard one way or the other whether he'll be racing this weekend at Richmond, but it brings up the larger conversation that we've talked about so far this year of does NASCAR need to do something with the Gen 7 cars and with how hard they hit, according to drivers like Kevin Harvick, Christopher Bell and others who have said the Gen 7 car hits harder than any other race car they've ever driven in their lives. Okay. You're talking about the one with the inside Kyle Kurt Busch concussion? That's correct. Okay. Uh, Jay, you get the first thoughts on this. Well, and it's an interesting thing. I saw some of the drivers, uh, one of the things that NASCAR has been using is a mouthpiece that um, measures some of the things when you talk about an impact or what the driver's going through when it comes to being in the car and involved in a wreck. And I know some of the drivers were declining to use that. The one thing I look at here is they are looking at it. Um, I think the heat factor, I know we just had A.J. Allmendinger. Other factors play into the temperature at the track, A.J. doing double duty. But that came up earlier in the year, I believe, with Denny Hamlin that there were some heat issues. And I think it came back or came up even during testing. So the the fact that there are possibly st- still some things that they need to look at, um, always looking at as far as improvement. Uh, so I don't know. I haven't seen any of the actual data of how, as, as Mike said, of how hard they are hitting. The one thing I think about specifically with the Kurt Busch, Kurt Busch situation 
we, we talked about this, or I have with some other people, I guess, maybe it wasn't on here. Going back to Dale Jr.'s too, it isn't necessarily the Pocono hit where he appeared to barely back into the wall. Not to say it wasn't a hard hit, but wasn't as bad a wreck as we've seen. It is the recurrence. It's kind of the, the straw that broke the camel's back of what Kurt's been through in his 20-plus career that maybe there's been some things that were right on the edge, and this is just what sent it over. It wasn't necessarily that this hit was the big one. It is what's been happened in the past, and you know the situation's right on the edge, and this is what tipped it over. So I think that needs to be taken into consideration as well. I don't know that you can necessarily point it all at this car. Okay, Andy? Yeah, I think that something does need to be done, um, you know, as far as improving safety. I'm not saying that, that the car is in a, in a bad position, but when you've got multiple drivers making comments about the hits being harder, harder hits equate to the possibility of, of more injuries. And, and unfortunately for Kurt Busch, he, um, you know, suffered a concussion that has sidelined him at least for three, if not more races. Jay brings up a really good point, though. You know, multiple hard hits for him, you know, led to him suffering, you know, the final blow, if you will, in an accident that didn't appear to be that bad. But ultimately, the head can only take so much trauma before it needs a break. And, and, you know, thankfully, it was recognized before he got seriously injured. And, you know, he's on the mend and ultimately will likely return at some point, hopefully this weekend. But, you know, I, I think that this car is still a work in progress. I think that, you know, certainly safety's come a long way in the sport, and I think it's in a good place. However, with this car being a completely new design and, and with these teams and NASCAR itself still learning the car, I, I do believe that there's room for improvement to make it better. So, yes, I think that they may need to want to look at, you know, some data and look at some of these accidents and determine how they can further uh, make things better so that we're not seeing drivers sign lines like Kurt Busch. Here's hoping he gets better and share in two minutes to 1030. I'll bring it on to you. Thank you, Andy. Uh, We're at that time of the evening where we make an announcement for our first-time listeners in particular uh, to let you know we're going to go off the air at exactly 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time, and that means that you may hear us going off the air uh, as we're continuing to talk. I just want you to know that we are going to continue to record the rest of our conversation uh, and that that will be available as part of our podcast as bonus overtime material. Now, you won't be able to hear it live, but when the podcast becomes available, you will be able to hear uh, the rest of the conversation on that podcast. I will go out on Twitter as well as Facebook to let you know that the podcast is available, and we do have a player available at fanforacing.com where you can fast forward to the two-hour mark to hear the rest of that conversation. So just an FYI, uh, again, for our first-time listeners so that nobody's caught off guard and not knowing how they can hear the rest of our conversation. So uh, with that, I'll go ahead and say what I was going to say, and that is that uh, you guys are exactly right. It's it's not just the one incident that caused the concussion for Kurt Busch. It's multiple issues over a period of time, and, and this one incident was the straw that broke the camel's back, as Jay put it, uh, that kind of 
put Kurt Busch in the situation that he's in. However, all the drivers, and you guys have said this, all of the drivers have said that the hits are much harder in this next-gen car than what they've experienced uh, previously. As a result, I'm encouraged by the fact that NASCAR has already told us that they sit down every Tuesday and look at these types of situations and what they can do better and what they can improve. And I'm I'm sure that they're doing that, Uh, not just with this situation, the harder hits that are taking place, um, but also at the situations like what happened to Cole Custer this weekend. Uh, There's been a lot of chatter about that as well, that it's not just the flat tire or the brake rotor that maybe caused that issue. There was something leaking that caught on fire, but what is it that broke that caused that to happen? So, uh, and, and whatever it is that broke is probably what caused the flat tire as well. So uh, those are scary situations. Thankfully, NASCAR has put in a lot of um, things that have kept the driver safe in these scenarios, but um, uh, I am trusting that NASCAR is taking a look at these situations. It would be negligent on their part if they are not exploring those situations and looking at what they can improve. Uh, as for the drivers, um, uh, it would be a huge misstep for NASCAR not to be looking at these situations more closely and what they can improve upon. Um, but as you know, sometimes these improvements don't happen overnight. Sometimes they take some time, and and uh, uh, sometimes you don't want to you, you kind of want to rush things through. But sometimes taking the time is the more prudent thing to do uh, to make sure that whatever changes you're making are the right things. So we'll have to wait and see how it plays out. I wish NASCAR would kind of speak up and say what they're looking at and what they're thinking. Um, but, you know, NASCAR kind of plays it close to the cuff sometimes, and they don't always disclose that. But we'll see what happens. Uh, I'm trusting that they are taking doing their due diligence in these situations. Uh, so, Mike? Your thoughts? Well, a couple caveats here before I get into this reply. Caveat number one, I am not an engineer, so I'm not even going to try and pretend to be one. Caveat two, I'm not a professional race car driver. I've never driven a Gen 7 NASCAR Cup Series car, nor have I crashed one. And uh, caveat number three, I am not a doctor, mechanic, or anyone else specifically in the know beyond a fan perspective. So uh, just – just make sure that you know, I'm not giving anyone the impression that I'm speaking from any, any position of authority here. With that said, Kevin Harvick, who has previously been critical of the Gen 7 car, he's one of the drivers who said that it hits very hard. He had a really interesting comment that caught my eye this weekend in regard to the Kyle Larson crash at Indianapolis uh, the week prior. And the context of the discussion was, uh, the, the, the question was posed about, hey, isn't this a good thing that Kyle Larson and Ty Dillon had such this terrible crash and the cars still look good and in, in good shape and everything? And Harvick's reply, and I don't have it right in front of me, so I'm going to paraphrase it. Harvick's reply was, no, that is absolutely a bad thing. And the reason that it's a bad thing is a bit counterintuitive but the fact that most of the parts stayed on that car meant that most of the energy of that impact stayed in that car. And 
whenever a part goes flying off of a car, that creates its own problems, obviously, with projectiles and whatnot. But that part coming away from the car carries away energy from that impact. And that energy is no longer in the car, in that crash. And without that energy in the, in the crash anymore, well, that's less energy that gets transmitted to the driver. So the other side of that is the more energy that's retained in that system because the parts are staying attached to the car because the car is built so well and rigidly and can take a beating like the Gen 7 car can, all that energy is staying in the system. And I think that's where that energy is getting transmitted to the drivers. Now, you mentioned that NASCAR has talked about using a mouthpiece and different G-meters and whatnot for the drivers. So it's obvious they are taking a look at this, but they've also already said that their testing data so far doesn't show a significantly uh, larger uh, degree of G-force on these impacts that the Gen 7 car has versus the Gen 6 car. So NASCAR was scratching their head a little bit when, when the drivers started saying that, hey, this Gen 7 car hits really, really hard. NASCAR did not expect that kind of feedback, it seems, because all the preliminary testing and quantifiable data they had from those G G force testing, I'm trying to not to stumble through my words, I'm not doing a good job here. All the preliminary data they had from their G-Force testing said that this Gen 7 car doesn't hit harder. So there's a disconnect between the quantifiable data that NASCAR's collected and the subjective data that the drivers are coming forth with saying, hey, I've been in this car when it crashed, it hurt. So something has to give here. Hopefully we don't see more drivers injured before they find a solution here. Uh, obviously we don't like seeing Kurt Busch out, but hopefully it has highlighted the necessity of is there something here, and if there is, how do we fix it? And that's what I'm looking for an answer for. Mm-hmm. Okay, Jay. Well, and two things you can take from both sides of what, uh, what Mike was saying there. Uh, and I don't know if it was a fan or who you said said it, of, well, it's a good thing. No, I agree with Kevin Harvick. It's not a good thing. However, you can take a good thing from the bad thing that happened. Now, there, there, I, would, I would understand it where uh, you're coming from with what you were saying, Mike. If parts aren't coming off the car and there's no give, that energy and absorp- absorption has to go somewhere. And... I'm thinking now maybe there's something within the way the drivers are sitting in that car that's different. It's not necessarily the G-force of the impact, but how the driver is taking it, and that might be a change in their driver's seat, the way they are positioned in the car that is different, not necessarily an increase in the G-force of the crash itself. So that's one aspect uh, maybe NASCAR can look at. The other would be, when you talk about this, we talked about with, with, earlier with Ty Gibbs of even learning to drive. They did some crash testing prior to the season, the, the heat thing. There is only so much that can be done in simulated scenarios. And this is where I would say, no, I don't think it's a good thing that Kyle Larson had that situation happen and, and what, whatever. But you can take some good things from it to make it better um, down the road. Uh, we saw it with the safer barrier when they started putting them up. NASCAR put them up around the outside of the walls. Drivers started hitting, I think it was Jeff Gordon one that they were just like, man, we would have never thought to put a safer barrier there. We didn't think it was possible for a car to get there in any way, shape, or form, and somehow or another it happened. You can't predict everything or anything that could happen. So I think they are doing the best that they possibly can in projecting, and then they have to go from 
situations like what happened with with Kyle Larson, the feedback at least that they're getting, they're looking into it. They're saying, okay, we don't understand it because what we got isn't showing it. As as Mike said, the tangible results of the, of the um, dynamics of what they're using. So coming together with the drivers, they're saying, okay, you're saying that that it's there. We we aren't getting any data that shows it. What can be done? What's your feedback? What area can we look into to try and uh, alleviate that? So I think as an industry, they do a great job. Like I said, I mean, there's just some things, no matter what, you can't fully predict or see happening, no matter how much you project. Okay, Andy. Yeah, no real follow-up to this one, just other than, you know, I hope that we – we see a trend of, of drivers not be getting injured, um, and, and hopefully we see Kurt Busch back. It would be a shame for him to, to not have a chance to make a championship run due to this injury. So hopefully he comes back, and, and hopefully he's feeling better and getting better. And, and like I said, hopefully um, we see things like this happening less and less as time moves on. Yeah, that's that's what I was thinking too, Andy, is that hopefully with the two-way communication between what the drivers are sharing and what the data is showing, uh, they can come up with what it is, whether it's the seat like Jay brings up or, or something else. Um, I kept thinking about that fire and that their feet are right there <laughs> where the fire is taking place for, for uh, Cole Custer and uh, – you know, they literally drug him out of that car. Um, I, I I just think that it's important that the drivers continue to give their feedback, that NASCAR continues to seek out that feedback and explore uh, what the problem is in spite of what the data is showing. Uh, and I'm sure that they are doing that. So, uh, like you said, Andy, over time we will see an improvement in those categories. It may not come as quickly as we want it to come. Uh, we want it yesterday, uh, but unfortunately it's a process that has to take place that involves communication and further exploration uh, that's going to help us get to the answer here. So um, uh, I think over time we will see an improvement. So, Mike, you get the final word there. Sorry, I'm fighting with my mute button. Anyway, the Gen 7 was a great step in the right direction. I think the racing has improved significantly. Uh, it sounds like they've got the the parity that they were looking for, but it's definitely very much a work in progress. You mentioned the fires. I'm sure Andy and Jay know uh, from the aviation world that burning carbon fiber is a big deal. That is bad, bad stuff. So, if there's a potential fire that's burning carbon fiber on these Gen 7 cars, that's absolutely something that needs to be addressed. We already talked about the impact force as well. So remember, this is the first year for the Gen 7 car. There will be tweaks. There will be improvements. It seems like the racing product, mechanically, everything is there. It it is what NASCAR wanted it to be in terms of the on-track product. The areas for improvement looks like it needs to come from the safety and reliability world. And there's a lot of really, really smart people who are paid a lot of money that are probably going to be working on that this whole offseason. It's probably a little too late to come up with major changes to the car for the remainder of the 2022 season. But I would expect to see some changes to the 2023 version of the car to hopefully address some of the safety concerns that we've seen this year. Yeah, uh, good point. Okay, Jay, you are up. 
for the next hot topic. What's that going to be? Well, Mike mentioned the 2023 season, and uh, I actually want to hear what he has to say on this. I haven't figured out his uh, message on the board there, but it's come about recently that Chevrolet may have entered into the Kyle Busch discussion talks, most specifically pointed towards colleague racing. And we haven't heard anything official from any parts of this, but initially uh, uh, Noah Gregson kind of appeared to be the heir apparent to the colleague racing. Now he's being linked to the GMS Petty, which kind of opens that for colleague racing. So there's a new twist, if you will. Who, Who is going to GMS that Noah Gregson's kind of been linked over in that direction um, okay. rather heavily. And I felt like Noah Gregson was kind of in line having his starts with uh, Colleg Racing this year, that he might be in line there. Um, so that kind of opens that door for Colleg Racing. Okay. Andy, your thoughts? Yeah, this is, this is interesting. And I think Philly season is, is, is starting to get pretty crazy here. Um, couple, three weeks ago, I felt like, you know, Kyle's most likely scenario was to stay exactly where he is. I think we might have had this discussion on the last show that I did. Um, It's not seeming like that anymore, and I'm not sure what happened or what the breakdown is that would cause him to no longer have an opportunity at Joe Gibbs Racing, a place where he's won two championships and and a ton of races and has raced for you know, 14 years now, but um, all good things must come to an end at some point, I suppose. And it's it's interesting to me that, that that's no longer his number one scenario. Um, I don't know if, um, I don't know why that would be, but, you know, obviously there's a lot of factors at play that, that uh, determine whether or not someone will race for a given team or not. And, and that's obviously sponsorship driven, uh, manufacturer driven, you know, can the team afford to pay somebody? Kyle has said recently he'd be willing to take uh, a pay cut in order to, to put a deal together. Evidently that's not enough. I think that if he were to not return to Joe Gibbs racing, that would be a huge fail on Toyota's part to lose a driver like yep. that, especially if it means he's going to switch manufacturers. Um, especially when you consider what Kyle Busch Motorsports has meant to Toyota in its development program for many, many years now. So, you know, if, if for whatever reason, you know, they can't put something together, I, I really think that they've failed miserably, uh, Toyota has. But um, that being said, you know, this could be a huge win for a different manufacturer. This could be a huge win for a team trying to get better. Anyone that could land Kyle Busch, automatically has a chance to win races and championships and, you know, could really help elevate a a program that's struggling. Um, Chevrolet, as Jay mentioned, obviously is one of the players here. And apparently there's a Ford team that's looking at him too. So things got pretty interesting. And and I think that, you know, we're going to learn a lot in the coming weeks, but certainly it's not going the way I thought it was going to go at all. You know, like, like I said, that, you know, I felt like, you know, his return to the 18 was inevitable, and, and evidently that's just not the case. So it's going to be fun to see what happens because it's uh, it, it could really uh, change the landscape of silly season, which has been pretty quiet, I feel like, to this point. But certainly Kyle Busch making a monumental move some to, you know, to another team is, you know, could set off a pretty big chain reaction. 
Okay. Mike. Yeah, what Jay was alluding to, uh, this is a done deal. Take it to the bank. This is not silly season. This is a confirmed rumor. Kyle Busch to Colleague Racing. They will rename the team Kylig Motorsports, and they will shift Noah Gregson to the GMS, Petty GMS number 42, and to fill the Junior Motorsports number nine for the 2023 season in the Xfinity Series. Daniel Ricardo will be in the Junior Motorsports number nine, according to only the most credible and reliable sources on Twitter and Reddit, which are your only important place to look for for all your NASCAR news and information. I have no idea what's going on. Come on. (laughs) At this point, it just smells like it's, it's really fertile ground for anybody who writes on NASCAR to just throw something at a wall and see if it's going to stick. It's like Mad Libs. We, we got Kyle Busch. That's a, that's a fixed thing, but we're going to start filling in the blanks. Kyle Busch, two, team, blank. Driving, manufacturer, blank. And the number, blank. So nobody knows. Even Kyle Busch and Joe Gibbs Racing sound like they don't know. They probably know more than we do, but if they knew, we probably would too. I'm sure they would love to announce a deal, but it just hasn't happened to this point. So... Who knows what's going on? We might not know until this season is over. Maybe we'll know tomorrow. Maybe there's going to be a big announcement tomorrow. I doubt it. But the kind of the, the, the moral of the story here is don't don't really take stock in any article that's written about Kyle Bush right now unless the words are coming from Kyle's lips. I wouldn't believe anything that I read. And if Kyle himself is saying it, I might believe 10% of it, and that's about the extent of it. It's interesting to talk about and you know, I'm, I kind of owe you an article, so maybe I'll start playing the Mad Lib game and throw some wild rumors and speculations out there. But that's all it is right now is wild rumors and speculations. Exactly right. I, I read what you put on there, and I said that's got to be a joke when you talked about Kai, Kai Ulig racing. <laughs> um, but, yeah, there's so many rumors and speculations that are out there. It'll be interesting. But... Uh, I don't know if any of you had a chance to read the interview uh, last week, uh, the media interview with Mark Rushbrook, uh, who is from Ford Performance. Uh, But there was a question asked uh, that kind of shed some light for me that I was not aware of uh, that was happening behind the scenes. And the question was, what can you say about losing some engineers to Chevrolet from the R&D center and getting those positions filled? Has it been difficult to get the driver's sim time? Uh, I thought that was an interesting question because I had no idea that that had happened. Uh, And he he does say no specific comment on employees moving, but it does happen all the time in all directions between manufacturing teams. Uh, it's the it's part of the business, but we're staffed and open for business at our tech center and our simulator and our aero program and analytics and everything that happens there. So we've got a great team of employees, and they're all working really hard to have performance on the track and bring home some race wins. But the thought did occur to me uh, that that could be part of the reason why uh, – Chevrolet has kind of shot out to the frontier, if you will, and Ford has struggled this season with this next-gen car, is that loss of staffing uh, and engineers 
that went from Ford over to Chevrolet. That could be why Stuart Haas Racing has had some of the struggles that they've had this season is that change in management in that that specific area. Uh, but there, there are also some questions here as it relates to Kyle Busch and uh, have they had talks with him and so on and so forth. And I thought it was interesting that, uh, and I'm trying to find uh, a Ford team, if a Ford team is interested in Kyle Busch, he has a truck operation, is there any way to incorporate that type of operation, or if there were such talks linking him to Ford. Uh, and uh, anytime the, the response was anytime we have an opportunity to improve our program, whether it is with drivers at a certain level in NASCAR or teams at all levels of NASCAR, then that's certainly something that's our responsibility to consider and make decisions on how it makes our program better or doesn't. So certainly would consider all options. But when um, <clears throat> would you personally want Kyle Busch? He said that's not for me to answer, not from a personal perspective. So uh, other questions that were asked about Kyle Busch, he kind of said we're not in a position to speak about Kyle Busch. But the, the words that really stuck with me was at this time. So I do think that Kyle Busch is looking at other opportunities. I think other manufacturers would love to have Kyle Busch uh, within their fold. And I think it's part of this whole, uh, you know, movement of people between manufacturers. Uh, but this would be a coup, if you will, if Ford or Chevrolet were able to get Kyle Busch and his race team under their operation, uh, I think it would be an enhancement. But I think it's really interesting that the competition here for Kyle Busch would be between Chevrolet and Ford, where Chevrolet has taken engineers already from Ford. Ford certainly wants this to be their coup uh, in light of that, getting Kyle Busch and his race team. So I, I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Again, we're all speculating here. We're In my case, I'm kind of reading between the lines of what I'm uh, seeing in the transcript with Mark Rushbrook from uh, Ford. Uh, but uh, times tell the rest of this story. But Kyle Busch is a coup, no matter who gets him, whatever team it is, whatever manufacturer it is, it's going to be a coup. And, Andy, to your point, I think it's a major failure on the part of Toyota if they were to let uh, Kyle Busch get away from them. So uh, I, I have to agree with everything that you guys are saying. Jay, what are your thoughts? Well, the, the interesting thing with this is, and it goes back to when this all first started, as Mike pointed out, of where does Kyle Busch go for the same equipment or level opportunity to win? And leaving Joe Gibbs Racing, I don't know that there is. However, uh, Stuart Haas Racing, we've seen improvement. we got Kevin Harvick winning this weekend. Uh, mm-hmm. Are they at the same level? No. Can Kyle Busch bring them back to that same level? Possibly. College racing when it comes to the Chevrolet camp. Um, that opportunity is there. As I mentioned, they're going to have two full-time rides next year was the intent. Uh, who goes into that car was, was a matter of debate and discussion and projection. So there, that possibility exists there. I know, Mike, uh, however you wanted to put it, um, whoever can put out whatever they want, there is some credibility to the possibility of that story. Whether he has talked to Chevrolet and 
college racing? That I don't know. He has said he did specifically talk with um, ones from Stuart Haas Racing and that he was exploring options. So it is possible. And I do think if it were to happen, college racing would be one. Again, we've seen them come in in their first two years, win a race, uh, have that capability, and they have shown throughout their existence they can build a team and bring it to the front. My biggest thing that Kyle Busch has mentioned is his truck series team. He also has to look out for KBM Motorsport, or KBM, Kyle Busch Motorsports. Again, there is a possibility. We've seen what GMS has done in the truck series, that if they were to do that, would bring them up. Same with Stuart Haas Racing and Ford. Ford looking for a better presence in the truck series. So any of these scenarios, is it the best and ultimate than staying with Joe Gibbs Racing where he is obviously at the top of his game? Probably not. Um, the failure on Toyota to keep him, it may not be within their hands unless they say it's going to be a Toyota-sponsored Toyota and we'll pay him. So, you know, it's kind of out of their hands. I know all parties want to see it happen. Joe Gibbs, Toyota, um, Kyle Busch has indicated that is his first choice. That hasn't changed. But he also knows that if it's not, he doesn't want to be standing there without a chair when the music stops, as he put it, uh, if you're playing musical chairs. So he has to explore all options. And, again, look at what's best for not just him, but KBM. Andy, your follow-up. Um, yeah, I don't really have anything on this other than um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I, I find it intriguing that Joe Gibbs Racing has emerged as possibly not being his number one landing spot. So something we'll have to follow, and and who knows, maybe we'll know more and, and have a, an even bigger discussion on this on Thursday or, or next week. But um, it's going to be fun to see what happens. Uh, certainly... Um, if he goes anywhere other than remaining where he is, it'll be pretty big news for sure. Okay. Mike. Like I said before, I still firmly believe that Kyle Busch will return to Joe Gibbs Racing. Uh, Again, where else is he going to go that's going to give him that chance to win? With that said, I think that the potential, if he moves, would be a Brad Keselowski-style move. He wouldn't move just to be a driver at somebody else's team. He might move to buy into another team's operation and have a potential ownership stake. Now, he already does have KBM in the truck series, so maybe that does scratch the team owner itch enough that he wouldn't want to do that at both the truck series and the cup series level. So it might not be as appealing as it would be to a guy like Brad Keselowski, who used to have a truck series team but no longer does. With that said, we're also making the assumption that if Kyle Busch moves to a place like Colleague, it would be Kyle Busch changing manufacturers. Who says who? I, why can't Colleague Racing switch over to be a Ford, or not a Ford, a, a Toyota team? Toyota only has Joe Gibbs Racing and 2311 for a total of six cars in the NASCAR Cup Series field. They are the smallest, least represented manufacturer in the NASCAR Cup Series field. So if Toyota were looking to increase their presence in the NASCAR Cup Series, maybe a guy like Kyle Busch, who has been a flagship Toyota driver more or less since they entered the sport, would be the perfect guy to, to take – the Toyota brand, and bring that over to a team like Colleague Racing. I'm not saying it's going to happen. Again, this is wild speculation exclusively on my part, but 
these are some potential options that involve Kyle Busch leaving Joe Gibbs Racing in a more realistic manner other than just getting signed to drive somebody else's race car with no other addition on there. If the teams can't offer Kyle Busch the KFB money he's looking for, well, maybe he wants his name on the side of the building instead, and he'd be willing to take an ownership stake in exchange for his driving ability versus just a cash uh, paycheck every week. Yeah, I'm thinking along those lines too, Mike. I mean, I I did bring up the it would be a major coup if another manufacturer could woo uh, Kyle Busch away from Toyota. Uh, But his best bet is to stay with Toyota. He knows the Toyotas. Uh, He does well with Toyota. His team is with Toyota. And that certainly is one of the options that could play out here. Uh, A lot of people have talked about how Kyle Busch is in a better state of mood um uh over the last couple of weeks i guess uh and that's an indication that something is good is in the works so we have to see what that is uh i think all of us would like to see him stay with toyota uh stay it's good joe gibbs racing that's the best scenario for him um and as we've stated it would be a major uh default on the part of toyota if they let him get away um, but there's any number of scenarios that can play out here, and I, I like your idea of Toyota uh, maybe going to a different team uh, is a possibility. But, again, no other team can help him win championships uh, better than Joe Gibbs Racing unless there's some kind of a falling out that's taken place there. So we'll have to wait and see for the rest of this story to play out. Uh, We're all speculating. None of us know. None of us have that crystal ball to know exactly what's going to happen. But it is going to be interesting and fun, as Andy puts it, to see how this plays out. So we'll see what happens. Jay, you get the final word here. Wow, uh, Mike, uh, that really truly blew my mind. I said Toyota sponsoring him, uh, Kyle Busch themselves, providing another Toyota team such as College Racing maybe switching over to Toyota certainly kind of checks that box in multiple ways. The only thing I don't see there is GMS has been really building with Chevrolet, the partnerships they've had along the way. Uh, Again, it it certainly is a possibility, beneficial to all sides. As Sharon mentioned, I think uh, there's only, or Mike, whichever, there is only the the six solid Toyota teams, that they could improve their numbers by doing that. So that is definitely an interesting scenario with that, um, building off of what I had said of it fit um, for college racing to grow. Uh, so, yeah, this this will be real interesting. And since, Mike, you're using such credible sources, when you do your article, the big mouth of the Mid-South says Kyle Busch and Dodge create new teams. <laughs> interesting. Okay. I'm already I'm I'm already ordering the T-shirts right now. Give me a second. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's go ahead. Hey, Sharon, 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 you said it. It's a coup for any manufacturer to get them. Dodge is. is a manufacturer. It, it is. It is indeed. Okay. So, um, and they've been talking about another manufacturer coming into NASCAR. So we'll have to wait and see the rest of that story as well. Okay, so let's start our roundtable. Andy, we'll start off with you. Uh, yeah, CB14 fan on Twitter, and uh, thanks for having me back on. As always, always a, a fun time. And 
I should be on Thursday, so looking forward to that and uh, seeing how all this uh, crazy, silly season news progresses. Okay, me too. Mike? It's going to be Mike underscore Orzel on Twitter. Mike double underscore O on Reddit. Of course, the most credible source of all the information, rumors, and take it to the bank story. So, of course, I'm on there all the time, plying my trade. Uh, the good news is I'm probably going to be able to do the show more frequently here. Uh, I'm getting ready to start training at work, so I should be available most evenings now. It sounds like it's going to be a little bit more of a forgiving schedule than what Andy had for, for his recent training. So I look forward to hopefully being able to talk to you all more frequently. I will be on the show this coming Thursday uh, unless something unforeseen comes up. But uh, I look forward to hopefully doing some more shows here versus my sporadic appearances over the past few months. Okay. And we did get your Atlanta article up, although it was a little bit late. I had a little setback there. But uh, I did get it up. I hope you saw it. I did. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's, it's a little out of date, but, hey, it's still relevant. If you remember the Atlanta race from about a month ago, take yourself in the Wayback Machine. Go give it a read. <laughs> yeah, and it, it's the, it's my fault that it's so late. It's, you know, having COVID and then repercussions from the COVID uh, kind of delayed things there. So uh, my apologies for that. Jay. Uh, you can follow me social media, Michael Hoosman on Facebook, MoparMJ8 on Instagram and Twitter. And I will say this, and I'm not even going to throw the, the name out there because it is a Twitter one, not one I would consider credible, but somebody did have something up that they there were going to be major NASCAR announcements this week. So we'll see how this week plays out. We do have the show Thursday, so hopefully we have some burning hot topics come Thursday. Yeah, we like those NASCAR announcements because they always create a lot of buzz, and that's uh, what our hot topics are all about. So uh, we'll look forward to hearing any news that comes out of NASCAR this week. And I heard that there could be some um, potential penalties as well, so that should be interesting. Okay, so with that... um, uh, I am Fan for Racing site on Twitter, Fan for Racing blog and radio everywhere else, including FanForRacing.com, where, again, we have our player available uh, for folks to listen either to the live broadcast or the podcast, uh, whatever works out for you and your schedule. We appreciate everybody for taking the time to tune in to hear what we have to say. Uh, it's good to have our, our original crew here for our Hot Topic uh, sound off. And uh, it sounds like they're going to be back for the next uh, few weeks anyway, and uh, next few shows anyway, and we'll look forward to to having that happen. Um, And then um, that includes uh, Jay. Thank you for standing in for Sal Segala tonight. Excuse me. We really appreciate you uh, being on standby as I kind of reached out to a couple different people to see if we could shake it up a little bit. But, uh, Jay, you're always there, and, and we appreciate you being available uh, to co-host tonight uh, for Sal. And then, of course, Andy and Mike uh, being here for our Fan for Racing crew discussion of Hot Topics. So um, looking, we had Sam's uh, recap up tonight. Uh, we had Ty Gibbs on earlier uh, with uh, his post-race audio after winning at uh, Michigan this past weekend. 
and there were some interesting comments there, although it was pretty much the same answer for just about every question. Uh, there were a few little gems in between, so uh, you'll want to take a listen to that. Um, okay, I think that's it, guys. Unless you've got something more to add, we'll call it a night. Yeah, have a good night, everybody. Enjoy it as always. Do it again Thursday. <laughs> good night, everybody. We'll see you on Thursday night, 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.